0: And now
1: for something completely different.
0: This is the Morrow Midday Show on ESPN Radio. Let's do it.
2: Welcome to the Morrow Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. With it till 3 on this Wednesday, as we help you get over the hump and towards the weekend with plenty to do over the next few hours. Coming up, we'll dive into everything going on in the golf world. What's the latest? We'll get the lowdown later on this afternoon, around 2 o'clock, from our resident golf expert Jeremy Schilling, breaking it all down. I'll get my thoughts about the afternoon. Plus, what's happening with the golf world? Should we be fearful of something similar occurring with our other sports? We'll get to the latest on Deshaun Watson. Which transfer quarterbacks have the most pressure on them? We'll hear from Spencer Rattler later on. Plus, which NFL teams are a little overhyped and underhyped right now? And as we start officially summer, around here it's felt like summer for about a month. But as summer officially began this week, what are the top sports stories to track throughout the summer month? We'll get to that coming up and a whole lot more throughout the afternoon. With It's 3 you can join the conversation throughout the afternoon, 843-721-9500 to give us a call. You can always text the show. 843-608-1734. Get to us on Twitter at Morrow Middays, on Facebook at ESPN Charleston, via email studio at KirkmanBroadcasting.com or online at CharlestonSportsRadio.com. Head over there and click on our show page where you can leave a comment for the show. You can find the latest versions of the show podcasted right there or you can even take the Morro Midday Show with you wherever you go. Just simply stream us online at charlestonsportsradio.com. With you till 3, Trent's on the steel wheels. Trent, what's going on? How are you?
3: Luke, I'm doing great on this beautiful Wednesday. Summer is officially started. Here we go. Hope you're getting outside, enjoying this uh, hot, beautiful weather that we got here in the Lowcountry. Love following uh, the golf drama that continues to happen day in and day out. It's absolutely beautiful for the summer months. And the San Francisco Giants beat the Atlanta Braves last night How 12 to 10. Beautiful win. The boys are ready to go. Jock Peterson's my guy. Absolutely loved it. Ready to go. This team's going on a little run here. Luke, going on a little run before the All-Star break absolutely loving it. Again, folks, I'm going to be completely insufferable. If the giants go on a, you know, big winning streak from here on out.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you picked an NL team. So I don't have to worry about it until hopefully a world series. (laughs) I don't have to hear about it. Like Bobby will all summer long. Oh yeah. Hey, they're undefeated since you became a fan.
3: Well, uh, well actually,
2: uh, technically, did you become a fan on Monday?
3: I, I technically became a fan on Monday, yeah, uh, okay. around 554, right. uh, you know, because Bobby was saying, you're not picking the Yankees. I was like, I'll probably go with the Giants, and so I kind of put it out in the universe. They lost, but then uh. the, my first official day as a fan, went 12-10. to 10. It was a great game, a lot of scoring. I absolutely loved it.
2: Well, you know, they lost by one run. They lost on a walk-off Monday. Right. So they didn't fully commit, sure. and they almost won, and they lost on the last pitch of the game. Then you fully committed, and then they won, right? So I think that's the difference.
3: Sorry about it, people.
2: Yeah, we'll see how they do against the Braves uh, tonight. <laughs> and how the Braves do is the schedule gets a little tougher. By the way, I have a fashion question, question for you later on. Oh, really? Because I consider you a man of great fashion. Oh. Uh. So I got to pick your brain on something about an hour from
3: now, Luke. That's why I'm here, man. That's people right. think I'm here to produce, no. uh, you know, give my sports takes. No, I'm here to give fashion advice. What well, right. we need, absolutely.
2: We actually have other people pushing the buttons, and I just uh, pepper <laughs> Trent in the commercial breaks with all sorts of different fashion questions. There that's we really go. What goes on around here? Uh, but let's start with the drama in the golf world. The latest being of, co- of course, uh, Brooks Kepka leaving to join the Live Golf Tour. Abram answer as well. Jay Monahan's gonna have his press conference coming up at one o'clock. We'll catch up with Jeremy Schilling today around 2 o'clock to get the latest. You know he's going to want to unload all hour long. There's plenty to get to. But as I look at this situation, and Brooks, the latest big name to leave the PGA Tour and go join the Live Golf Tour, right? I've said all along that it's not a great sign what's uh, transpiring for the PGA Tour. And before we get the press conference coming up, we did get news yesterday that the PGA Tour is now planning. To try to counter the Live Golf series with twenty million, no cut twenty million dollars, no cut tournaments for its top players beginning in the fall of twenty twenty three. And the top fifty finishers in the prior season's FedEx Cup standings will be invited to eight events with purses of twenty million each. More money, no cuts. Sounds a lot like what the Live Golf Tour is doing. And I've been saying from the beginning that for the PGA tour it's going to take some adjustments. It's funny. It's interesting. Maybe funny is not the right word, especially if you're a big golf fan. You probably don't like this. I think the only people that win in this golf civil war are the golfers getting the big paydays. I don't think it's good for the fans. I don't think it's good for the sport. not good for the sponsors. The sponsors are unhappy that this week, instead of talking about the Travelers' Championship where they're spending money to advertise, we're just talking about the drama instead with the Live Golf Tour. Nobody's winning in this except maybe the Saudis right now and certainly the golfers that are getting the big paydays from the Saudis. If you're a golf fan, you may think like, hey, this is pretty cool. We have two different quote-unquote tours, right, whatever you want to call the Live Golf Tour, series of golfing events. You can watch multiple golf events on a particular weekend. But it's also two watered-down versions. It'd be like if we got rid of Major League Baseball and had two AAA leagues instead. Yeah, It's not quite the same. You didn't watch the AAF. You're not watching the USFL or the XFL. Like, we want the, the best. We're elitist when it comes to our sports in this country. And this will water down the field. Outside of the majors will be the standard majors. And we're going to get to a point. I've been comparing the PGA Tour to college football in the sense that we're going to get to a point, if we're not there already, where all you care about are the major events. Just like all you care about are going to be the playoff and the teams that are competing for a spot in the playoff in college football. You don't care about the bowl games. You don't care about a 4-4 four and four team playing on a Saturday. If it doesn't have anything to do with the potential crowning of a champion, eh, it's largely irrelevant unless you're a fan of that team. We're gonna get there if we haven't already with the PGA tour. The Travelers Championship this weekend, and I love it. It's in my backyard. I've covered it before. That's yeah, eventually, if it's not already there, it's not gonna matter as much. You're not gonna really care to tune in. Because it's not gonna be it's not gonna have well. Brooks Kepka has now dropped out, even though he could theoretically play this weekend. All right, you're gonna miss a lot of uh, the big names. And it's probably only gonna get worse as time moves on. But another way I would compare the PGA Tour to college football is that both saw a problem on the horizon and did nothing about it. And because they did nothing about it, things got worse. Right? It's almost like calling somebody's bluff, and then it turns out they weren't bluffing at all. For college football or college sports in general, the NCAA, what are we what were we hearing about for years? I mean, the idea of paying the players. And for years, the NCAA just ignored it. They said, ah, no, no, we're not going to pay them. We're not going to do anything name-image like this. We're not interested. Eventually, the government got involved, and they said, fine, if you're not going to do anything about it, right, each state, we're going to come up with our own legislation. And now a lot of people believe it's like the wild, wild west out there, and it's gone too far. The NCA can't quite rein it back in. Live Golf Tour offered up a meeting months ago with the PGA Tour to sit down. And who knows what would have come from it, but the PGA Tour said, no, we're not interested. We don't want to meet with you. We don't want to talk about anything. And I always compare it to companies that don't keep up, don't adapt, and the most notable one is like a Blockbuster. Blockbuster had a chance to invest in Netflix, and they said, no, Netflix, that's not going to work. We're Blockbuster. People are going to come to us to get our movies. And when you are that headstrong and you're unwilling to adapt or don't have the foresight of what's coming down the road, that's when you get in trouble. The NCA, with name, image, and likeness, thinking they were untouchable, ah, we never have to worry about that, even with Ed O'Bannon's lawsuit we're never going to play the, pay the players. That's something that's never going to happen. Well, now it's kind of out of your hands and out of your control. All right, Blockbuster, oh, Netflix, they're not any sort of competition. We don't have to worry about them. Well, now you're out of business. And the PGA Tour, whether it was out of, um, you know, pride or whether it was uh, out of morals, I don't know. They don't want to meet with the people who live golf tour going way back before this whole thing started to so at least get a sense of what they're thinking, what they're bringing to the table, what your competition is planning. And now here we are where the PGA Tour is in a little bit of trouble. I'd also compare them to Major League Baseball, two sports, golf and baseball, that are rich in tradition, that live off of their tradition, and that are kind of falling behind. Because as great as traditions are, we have plenty in our family, right, sometimes you have to update or adapt them as the times change. It used to be tradition to get around with a horse and carriage, and then cars came along. Right? Sometimes you have to keep up with the times or the competition. And that's where baseball has really struggled. They haven't kept up with the other sports. They're trying. They're changing rules. They're trying to shorten games. They're changing the baseballs to get more home runs. At least they're trying things. The PGA Tour, not so much. Remember baseball, right? Of course, we know about Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. It took very long for them to adapt to the demographics of this country. The PGA Tour, well, not necessarily the PGA Tour, but Augusta National did not accept its first African-American member until the 90s that wasn't that long ago 23 years ago we were in the 90s right they had to start changing rules at different golf clubs throughout the country once tiger woods became a big name because before that the golf world wasn't all too kind to minorities again that was 30 years ago in the past 30 years they've had to update and change some things they were well behind the times just like baseball golf too vulnerable to falling behind and the live golf tour probably saw an opening at least the Saudi Arabians saw an opening in the golf world right you may wonder like why golf why do they choose golf there's a couple of reasons we'll get into that coming up next segment and if this should be a fear for other sports but part of the reason is because PGA Tour left themselves vulnerable the NCAA left themselves vulnerable to name image and likeness baseball just left themselves vulnerable in general to falling behind in the sports landscape they used to be America's pastime and the number one sport and maybe took it for granted And just like the NCAA, just like Blockbuster, a little headstrong to think like, oh, yeah, nothing's going to stop us. The NFL, we don't have to worry about football. They're not going to overtake baseball for popularity in this country. And baseball, and I love baseball, but they just continued status quo, didn't change anything. It's the same game it's always been. Game got even longer. My guy's stepping out of the box, more pitching changes, more commercials. They extended the game even longer thinking, yeah, the fans will hang with us. They love baseball. America's pastime. And now baseball. Right, it's nowhere close to football. Basketball's past it as well in terms of interest and ratings and revenue on a night-to-night basis. Baseball, golf, the NCA, vulnerable, left themselves vulnerable, and here comes the Live Golf Tour to try to take over. It's not good. right? It's like uh, parents fighting. You don't like it if you're a golf fan. It may seem nice. You know, like now you have two. Your parents get divorced. You have two different birthday celebrations. But it would be better if uh, they just stayed together. It would be better if all the golfers stayed together in the PGA Tour instead of giving us some sort of watered-down events. And I'll give credit to the PGA Tour for adjusting, which is exactly what I said from day one in all this. You're going to have to make some changes. You can't keep doing what you've been doing. Live Golf Tour will leave you in the dust. And now they're starting to kind of look like the Live Golf Tour, which is also what happens. I said that last week on the show. Go back and look. The NBA today looks a lot like the ABA. You know who first came up with the three-point line? The ABA. You know who first came up with the dunk contest? The ABA. You know who first came up with a three-point contest? The ABA. Right? The ABA was spending some money. They got guys like Jerry West, big stars. The NFL looks a lot like the USFL. You know who started throwing the football a bunch? The USFL. Right? You know who started spending big money? The USFL. You know who started taking players before they graduated from college? It wasn't the NFL. It was the USFL first. The NFL looks a lot like the USFL. And the last time somebody tried to come up with a competitor in baseball was 100 years ago. They've since come up with laws to make it very difficult to compete with Major League Baseball. But you know who gave us Wrigley Field? It wasn't Major League Baseball. It was their competitors, the Federal League, back in the 19-teens. And uh, Wrigley Field is still one of the historic icons of Major League Baseball. That stadium wasn't originally built for a Major League Baseball team. And so now the PGA Tour starting to blend and look a little bit like, or at least starting to next year, look a little bit like the Live Golf Tour. Competition is always a great thing. It keeps you honest. And when it comes to the PGA Tour and the competition, look back. Right, the NFL, when they were dealing with the AFL, what do we get out of it? Super Bowls. That's pretty good. So special that we don't even consider the championships won before. So special that you ignore the fact that the Browns were a little bit of a powerhouse in the 50s. Or my Minnesota Vikings have actually won championships. It was just before the Super Bowl era. right? But the AFL led to the Super Bowl. Best thing in sports. The NBA was struggling, going bankrupt. The ABA led to the NBA kind of saving itself. Led to Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. They added the three-point line. They added the, the All-Star Weekend, which they stole from the ABA. And the NBA went from being in real trouble to now you know, doing pretty well throughout the 80s, the 90s, and doing okay today. PGA Tour, right now, a little struggling. Right, they're in some trouble. But maybe that competition, a live golf tour, if they stay a step ahead, if they're wise, if they're smart, if the PGA Tour is able to change some things, maybe, too, they'll come out of this thing with some sort of big positive. If it wasn't for the AFL, we probably wouldn't have a Super Bowl. And right? if it wasn't for the ABA, I don't know. I don't know what basketball would look like. Would they eventually come up with a three-point line? Yeah, probably. Would they have All-Star Weekend with a dunk contest? Yeah, you know, maybe. Those were things that came directly from the ABA. And it also helped kind of save the sport. The NBA was in big trouble. And then Dr. J came in the league, and more teams were added, and they got some more money, and then here came Magic and Bird, and the NBA was incredibly popular in the 80s when it started to overtake baseball. But baseball hasn't changed. They've fallen behind. Golf hasn't changed. They're falling behind. Now they're going to have to make some changes, and they're trying. And we'll check in with Jeremy Schilling later on this afternoon after uh, the Jay Monahan press conference coming up in about 45 minutes. Here was uh, Xander Shoffley. He was on uh, CBS Sports last night. We spliced his answers together, so it may sound a little awkward, but he first talks about Brooks Kepka the announcement of Brooks going to the live golf tour and then gets into the PGA tour, why he wants to stay there. And also what the PGA tour is trying to do to fight back against the live golf tour. Here's the, uh, all the responses from Xander last night on
4: CBS sports. Yeah, it's a bummer. You know, I, I, I don't hold it against any individual that leaves, um, selfishly. It's competition. Um, it's, it's good competition he's a four-time major champion when he's playing his best he's 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 the best you know he, he's been number one in the world and and carried that when he was there so for him to go it's a bummer you know what i mean i i like to compete uh that's why i'm here at the travelers uh, some of the best players in the world are here uh, competing after a major championship even if we're tired but um, people have their reasons for going and like i said i don't really hold it against them just Selfishly, I'm sad that I don't get to play against them uh, anymore at this moment. The numbers that are thrown around are very obnoxious. Um, there are certain numbers that, you know, even f- fans of mine, they, if they looked at it and saw it, they would tell me I'm an idiot for not going. But right now, I'm in. I'm 28 years old. I want to win major championships. I want to win PGA Tour, Tour events, and uh, I, I really think that we can make this product on the PGA Tour. It, it's been the best, and now there's competition, and I think that. Uh, we can still make it the best with the talent that we have and we just kind of need to unify and get together so to any one of my fans you know i mean i words are words and you know like i said earlier actions speak louder than words and so right now my actions are to to stay on this tour and and you'll see me competing out here uh on on the pj tour circuit they're they're fighting and that's exactly what, what what jay said he would do to me and it's exactly what he told our members you know they you just have to, you got to fight for what's yours. You know, I, I think it's time to sort of recognize them or treat them as competition. You know, uh, they've been referred to as their exhibition matches, but we got to start treating them like competition. If we want to stop seeing people go in my mind, and you have to incentivize the players to stay on this tour and give them a good reason. You know what I mean? We may not make as much money if, if we go over to that tour, but you can build something, you know, a, called a legacy. You can have security, something, uh, that you or an individual player a top player ranked in the world will like to stay. And I think um, the more that sort of messages like that and, and the tour is being more proactive and sort of reactive, I think uh, the tour will be in a better place.
2: Yeah, I agree. Especially that la- I think that last answer is really good. And that last thing he says is most important. A lot of people
4: are reactive.
2: You have to be proactive. You have to kind of see what's coming down the pipe and react before it even occurs. That's what the NFL has done really well for the most part. little reactive at times, right? Maybe the Ray Rice situation. We'll see about how this whole Deshaun Watson situation plays out. But a lot of times, right, the catch rule, they change. They change things in the the playoffs, the Lola rules. rules. You know, reacted a little bit with the pass interference in New Orleans. But the NFL usually does a pretty good job of not getting stuck in their traditions, willing to adapt and change. Major League Baseball, golf, these are two sports, right? Baseball, golf, that their big calling is about tradition and that history. And they don't want to change. Sometimes you have to to keep up with the times or just the competition. And the PGA Tour is going to have to change some things, and they're starting to here over the last 24 hours come up with some different ideas to entice the golfers to stay with them. I'll say this. A couple of things that the Live Golf Tour has going for them in terms of their product. Number one, I do like the shotgun starts, at least in the first couple of rounds. I don't want to wait around all day to see somebody tee off. Put them all out there, and let's watch them all at the same time, and you bounce around from one golfer to the other. I like that. Number two, it's very accessible on YouTube. Are they getting paid for that? Do they have sponsors right now? No, but in the back of a taxi cab, on an airplane, whatever, you could just bring it up right on YouTube. Everybody knows how to use YouTube. Your six-year-old child watches videos on YouTube. and That's not bad. Now, I know with a lot of different streaming options and cable providers, you can watch anything on your phone or tablet from anywhere in the world. But I don't know, maybe you have to sign in or... You have to pay for account. Who knows? You only have so many account- YouTube, it's just wherever you are. Anywhere in the world, YouTube, it's free. You log on. You watch them. No problem. And the third part that I think Live Golf Tour has going for them over the um, PGA Tour, and this became a real issue this past weekend. Everybody was complaining on Sunday of all the commercials. No commercials with Live Golf Tour on YouTube. It's just golf nonstop. You're a golf fan. You want to watch these guys hit some shots, tune in, and no distractions. Now, if you watch the Masters, they pay... Right, uh, to not have any commercials for a certain amount of time to end the Masters, but typically normal golf events, right? You're cutting away. In fact, this past Sunday, didn't they have to show like a go-ahead putt on a on a replay because they were they missed it? It's crazy, especially nowadays with technology and all the different options. And right, you're missing important action. Live Golf Tour. If you're into just watching golf, turn it on. No commercial. It's just all golf, all day long. A couple of things that the Live Golf Tour has going for them that. Maybe the PGA Tour should also think about borrowing. When we come back, I think the concerns are real for the PGA Tour. So should we be concerned for other sports as well? Could something like this happen to our other favorite professional leagues? Are they too vulnerable? We'll get to that next. Tomorrow midday show right here on ESPN Radio.
0: Now back to the tomorrow midday show on ESPN Radio. It's so
2: Coming up is what that's happening in the golf world. Could it occur in another sport? The More Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. We'll talk plenty about uh, golf and the Live uh, golf tour uh, this afternoon. Get into some other stuff as well, including Deshaun Watson, Spencer Rattler. Coming up, Jeremy Schilling will join us in the final hour today. Jay Monahan has his press conference in about 35 minutes. We'll see if anything or what comes from that. But I do think that with the uh, Live Golf Tour, it is, is, uh, it's exposed some vulnerability for the PGA Tour and for golf. Can it happen to another sport? Right? What could stop, let's say, the Saudi Arabians as well from also trying to dip into the NFL or the NBA or anything else? Um, here was first, before we get into all of that, here was Greg Norman. Now, he went on um, Fox Fox News, which, by the way, if Live Golf Tour ever does get some sort of TV deal, my guess is going to be it's Fox. I think Colin Coward's the best in this business, but I hear him uh, defending the Live Golf Tour every day, and then also Greg Norman's only done one public interview that I've seen, and it was with Fox. So there seems to be something going on there behind uh, closed doors. Here is Greg Norman on Fox uh, talking about um, the hypocrisy around the Live Golf Tour.
5: Yeah, look, I'm disappointed people go down that path. Quite honestly, look, uh, if they want to look at it in that prism, then why does the PGA Tour have 23 sponsors within the PGA Tour doing 40 plus billion dollars worth of business with Saudi Arabia? Why is it okay for the sponsors? Why is it okay, Brian, that um, there's a Saudi sponsor in Aramco, the largest sponsor of women's golf in the world? Why is it okay for them? Why is it not okay for these players? Will Jay Moynihan go to each and every one of those CEOs of the of the twenty three uh, companies that are investing into Saudi Arabia and suspend them and ban them? The hypocrisy in all this—it's so loud, it's deafening, Brian. And really, when we 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 we're, we're not going anywhere. We want to do what's right for the serving the fans, for the players, and for our. Uh, our commercial business model we are going to forge forward right. and there's been a lot of obstacles brian no question about it there's been a lot of obstacles that the pga tour has thrown in our path but you know what we've worked around it because golf is a force for good
2: there's that line golf is a force for good this is all about just growing the game right i mean don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining just tell me it's about the money and that's what it is Now, for Greg Norman, what he said there is true from a fan perspective or media perspective. When he talks about hypocrisy, he brings up a fair point about those that have been very tough on the golfers or the Live Golf Tour that ignore the business that's being done elsewhere, including on the PGA Tour, with companies from Saudi Arabia or back to that same money. Or the same people, like there was a scathing piece in, uh, was it the New York Times yesterday, two days ago? Ripping these golfers but i don't think they've written anything about the nba's connection with china in fact i think they did the opposite they wrote an article about how it's good to grow the game of basketball by their relations with china so i do get the hypocrisy what greg Norman's saying i think applies to the fans that are ripping a phil mickelson it applies to maybe the media members that look the other way on some other subjects but have been really strong on this but I think you're being disingenuous if you're trying to use that same take and apply it to the PGA Tour or specifically Jay Monaghan. Because I don't think the problem for Jay Monaghan or the PGA Tour is that these golfers are taking money from Saudi Arabia. I think it's the fact that they're taking money from anyone else to leave them. They don't care where that money's coming from. It could be another company here based in this country uh, that's stealing all the golfers. That's why they're being suspended because they're going to play for a rivaling competitor, right? That's the big issue. They're not being suspended from the PGA Tour because of some sort of ethical issue that, oh, no, you're taking blood money. We can't have you participate on our tour. Yeah, the PGA Tour, they don't care about that either. They're taking the same money. They don't care. What they care about is you're stealing all their golfers away. That's why they're upset. And so to try to keep those golfers from leaving, they have to put in some sort of punishment. You're not going to be able to double dip. That's not how this is going to work. You're either all in or you're all out, and I agree with it. So what Greg Norman is saying is true. I think he raises a fair point, and I think it should be applied more towards fans or media members. He's trying to direct it towards Jay Monahan and the PGA Tour, saying, why don't you drop those sponsors? But the argument isn't, how could you leave us for Saudi Arabian money? It's just, how could you leave us in general? Why are you leaving us? We're losing all our talent. That's what they're upset about, and that's why the suspensions come. So from that aspect, I think it's a little disingenuous. I think it's playing politics a little bit. But nonetheless, that doesn't mean it's not a fair point raised by... Greg Norman you can always reach out to the show charlestonsportsradio.com click on our show page leave a comment there Pete sent a message to the show said I'm a big golf fan but I don't care about Liv most guys going I don't watch I prefer the LPGA now anyways I watch LPGA playoff this weekend they play more like uh, average golfers I've been going to the Masters since 1958 wow that's amazing Seen golfers come and go Liv is a fade like the XFL when millionaires fight with billionaires, got nothing for you. Um, I don't think, or fad, did I say fad? Fad, fad like the XFL. I don't think it's uh, just a fad. The difference being that according to reports, the Live Golf Series has already devoted, they've put aside $2 billion to their golf series. So if it's a fad, it may be a longer lasting one than some of these other football leagues that pop up, just because they have so much more money to spend. They have deep pockets and they don't care if they're not making money. These other leagues, they have to right, that's what happened with the AAF. They weren't making money, they ran out of money their first year. The XFL, they were doing okay. The Vince McMahon version, and then the pandemic hit. And they started to lose all sorts of money. He said, All right, forget that. That's not worth coming back. But the Live Golf Tour, I mean, they have two billion they're throwing money around right now. They got two billion dollars to spend. Could it be a fad? Maybe, but I think it'll be longer lasting. I don't know how long the timeline is for a fad. You know, like you talk about Beanie Babies or something. I don't know how long something is or how short it has to be to be a fad. I don't know if the Live Golf Tour is here to stay for the rest of eternity, but I think it's going to be around a for long enough that it's going to put a dent, if it hasn't already, in the PGA Tour. But I get what Pete's saying. You know, big golf fan doesn't care about the Live Golf Tour. I'll be honest. Like, you know, I, I did not watch this, but I probably won't watch very much Live Golf either. I'm an average golf fan. You may not care. You may be sick of hearing about it. You're not a golf fan. You're wondering, why are people talking so much? I don't care about this. So instead, let's look at it from a different angle. If this happens with golf, could it happen with another sport or league in this country? Because a lot of times we don't care about something until it hits us directly. We see it a lot in politics, right? Or even just in your own town. Like, yeah, that kind of sucks for you, but I don't have to worry about that. But then once it happens in your backyard, once you start dealing with it, and once you lose your job, it's like, oh, shoot, that does suck. You're right. And once it hits you directly, hits closer to home, then you start to care. So I'll be honest with you. like I'm an average golf fan. I don't think this is good for golf, but I don't have as strong of an opinion on all this. I'm not going to rail against these guys completely like most people because uh, I'm just an average golf fan. But if this starts happening to the NFL, Major League Baseball, you start taking some of my favorite players away and watering down one of my favorite sports, yeah, I'm probably going to be a little more passionate. It'll affect me more directly. Could this happen to other sports? Since the Saudis seem to have so much money to throw around, what's stopping them from doing this with another league? I don't think it could. Now, baseball, it couldn't. right? Baseball, you want to talk about baseball being America's pastime. When they tried to, the, to come up with another league, the Federal League, back uh, over 100 years ago, baseball conspired to, uh, uh, Major League Baseball conspired to put them out of business. And then they tried to sue them, and the whole thing went to the Supreme Court. Baseball is, uh, they're exempt from antitrust laws. They're the only sports league that has that in this country because 100 years ago they were the biggest thing in the sports world in this country. And, by the way, the judge at the time later became the commissioner of Major League Baseball, so he was a baseball fan, so that didn't hurt either. And in recent years people have talked about uh, no longer keeping Major League Baseball exempt from these antitrust laws. But Major League Baseball is a whole other animal. They're different. You can't compete with Major League Baseball. No one has tried since then because you just can't do it. they got the law on their side. Uh, Major League Baseball is too tough to go up against. The NFL, the NBA, you want to say the NHL? I also don't think that, say, the Saudi Arabians could come in and spend a lot of money to try to ruin one of those leagues either. Could they steal away some players for, like, a certain events? Certain events? Sure, maybe. But the difference for why golf is an option is, number one, again, as I said, I think they're a little vulnerable. They're certainly not as popular as the NFL. The money, the biggest thing why they're vulnerable is because the money wasn't as high. It's not guaranteed money and it's not big paydays. So if you're looking around the sports landscape and you're thinking, I got a lot of money, or, I can spend this money in a certain area in the sports world. What's the best place to put it? It would be the golf world because that's the one area where they're not making huge money. Major League Baseball, guys are getting guaranteed contracts already of like 35 mil. Now, why are they going to leave that for some startup league? Even if you're going to have to pay them, a, I know, like Mickelson's getting, you know, 200 million, right? But these guys are already making a ton of money. The NFL, most of them, quarterbacks at least, making big-time money. NBA, they're making the most money with these guaranteed contracts. LeBron James is a billionaire. Um, even uh, James Harden has made $600 million in his career. We saw Tiger Woods turn down the Live Golf Tour, right, because he, he doesn't need the money. He's got plenty of money. And I think most of these other athletes have the same. The other difference, too, is that golf it's an individual sport. So, like, you could do this with boxing. You could do it with tennis. But to try to build some sort of football league, are you really going to pay 60 guys on a roster and have, what, 10 teams, eight teams, something uh, enough teams that it'll be a competitive league? Do the math. I don't know. You're talking about 600 guys that you're going to be spending. I mean, that's a lot more money than golf. They had uh, at, at their first event. They had, what was it, 42 golfers? That's not even enough for, a football, for one football team. Even basketball. You know, you're talking 15 players on a team. If you want to try to steal LeBron James, he's a billionaire. It's going to take a lot of money right, for a startup league. Uh, Major League Baseball. If you ever tried to compete with them somehow, same idea, All right? Like Mike Trout, Bryce Harper—they're making 35 million guarantee. They're making 300 mil already, and then you got 25 guys on a baseball team. I think golf just—they were the—it's the perfect storm. It's an individual sport. You only need about 40 guys. They weren't making the big time money like other athletes are. And then, by the way, we played that clip from Greg Norman. He's been trying to do something like this for years, and he's never been able to get the financial backing. And then finally. He teamed up here with the Saudi Arabians, and they have deep pockets, and that's why we're, we're off and running. Now, Kyrie Irving, someone who's talked about starting up, you know, a NBA or a, a basketball league to compete with the NBA. But, like, Greg Norman has been trying to do this for a while. He just finally got the uh, investors, if you will. I don't know if we have the same thing. I mean, there's all sorts of NFL leagues, or, or I keep saying the league instead of the sport. There's all sorts of football leagues that are trying to compete against the NFL. But there's just so much money in these sports already. Too many players. A lot more stars. A lot more fame. It's different leaving the PGA Tour and still being able to play in the Masters. Like, oh, no, I can't play in the Travelers now compared to leaving the NFL and not playing in the Super Bowl to go play in some other generic league on YouTube that's no- that nobody is watching. Right, we had the USFL try to throw a lot of money around in the 80s. It didn't really work. Uh, you have... Um, you have... Uh, for basketball even guys uh like will still go to college now instead of going to the g league instead of making money so i don't think other sports are as vulnerable as golf was i think it was kind of just the perfect storm for golf but i've seen a lot of that narrative in in the past week of media members or sports fans fearful of wait if this happened with golf what's stopping this from happening with our favorite sports i think quite a few things i don't think something like this could be pulled off well enough against the nfl or the nba or, or certainly major league baseball when we come back, we'll get to the uh, Deshaun Watson situation, where things stand now after settling 20 of the 24 lawsuits yesterday. More Midday Show right here on
0: ESPN Radio. Spend lunch with Luke.
6: Attention campers, lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it.
0: On the Morrow Midday Show.
2: Coming up, where do we stand with the Deshaun Watson situation after settling the cases, 20 of the 24 cases yesterday? It's the more Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. Wait till Otis sees us. Anytime I hear that song, I always think of uh, Animal House. I'm trying. have you ever seen Animal House?
3: Seen clips. I've All never right. seen the uh, the full film. I've heard it's a cinema masterpiece, oh, yeah. there's no doubt. But no, I've never uh, watched the entire film, but I've seen you know clips and bits and pieces here and there.
2: There's a lot of historic films that, let's be honest, they don't hold up today. Like uh, Footloose, oh, that movie's horrendous. I think the original Top Gun, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I, I, What it meant to you at the time, I'm sure, right, was great. I watch it today, like, yeah, I don't know. Animal House, though, I think that movie holds up. I, I think that's a great movie still. Uh, you know, comedy has changed over the years. It's from the 70s. It's a lot different than the comedies maybe now, but uh, I think Animal House is still a classic. I think it holds up perfectly. Great film. Uh, before we get to Deshaun Watson, speaking of quarterbacks, I did see this question posed online, that if there was a live golf tour for football, which quarterback would be the first to jump at all of the money that could be offered by, let's say, the Saudi Arabians? It'd be hard to say because the money is so rich in the NFL that even like Kirk Cousins is making $35 million a year. So you don't have a lot of desperate quarterbacks. But I think you know who my answer would be.
3: Yeah, you know, I I saw you were setting it up there, Luke. You threw me the lob, but uh, hey, I missed the shot this time. But I understand, yeah, Aaron Rodgers would probably be the guy, even though I think he deserves the salary that he is getting. I I do believe that one of the best quarterbacks of all time should get that kind of money when he's still playing good football.
2: He's the only one I would think of that would, like, bail for a big payday like that for the Live Golf Tour.
3: Yeah, maybe.
2: I'm trying to think of others.
3: He's also been with the Packers for a very long time. So, you know, he's got some loyalty, even though there's been a little bit of a roller yeah. coaster ride here and there.
2: I'm running through all the names in my mind. Like, if Ben Roethlisberger was still in the league, I could probably see him doing it. Oh, he's out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, And then you get into somebody like, I don't know, it depends what kind of competitor they are. But, like, Tua, who may lose his job in the NFL anyways,
3: like, go take the guaranteed payday somewhere else. Oh, Baker Mayfield? He, he's gone. Yeah, he, he would go over there in a heartbeat.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's like um, that fan control football league brought oh. in, like, Johnny Manziel. Right, yeah. Baker would be the guy. Like, if you try to start up a competitor, with the a direct competitor to the NFL, and you have a bunch of money to spend, yeah, call Baker. Because with the chip on his shoulder and his personality, like, you know, he could be your uh, spokesperson for your new league.
3: Two Heisman Trophy winners right there, man. That's crazy. That's <laughs> great. Now we're talking about them, you know, being in the fan-controlled football yeah. league.
2: I know. Um, yeah, those are good ones. Baker,
3: I think Aaron Rodgers, Roethlisberger is still in the league. Sam Darnold, I think he would. I think he would go.
2: Yeah, he might. Yeah, he's a little desperate right now too. <laughs> right, so it's probably those guys. Which is the same idea with golf. Like you're either getting the Phil Mickelson who's at the end of his career, who figures I'm just going to go take the money because I'm I'm not going to win. I know what he did here last year. We were there. You know, but Mickelson, I'm not going to go win any mastery. Let me go take the payday. Or you get the young guys who, instead of, like, trying to grind and work their way up, eh, let me just go take the guaranteed paycheck and I don't have to worry about, you know, becoming a great golfer, per se. It's like taking the easy way out, which I don't necessarily fault. So similar with quarterbacks. It would be like a Sam Darnold who is probably thinking, like, I may be out of a job in a year. Let me go take the guaranteed contract. To uh, some of these other guys competing. Maybe like a Drew Locke. Josh Rosen would love it. I don't know if he's even in the league anymore. He was a backup with like the Dolphins for a little while. Josh Rosen would love a chance back in the league.
3: I think he's on the uh, practice squad for the Atlanta Falcons. Is he? He's on the mistaken. Falcons. If I'm not mistaken, he might have been moved around again. But the last time I checked in on good old Josh Rosen, he was, uh, you know, practice team quarterback number one. Okay.
2: He does come from a family of money too, though. So maybe he yeah. wouldn't uh, go to the Saudi league. On the text line, you can always text the show eight four three six zero eight seventeen thirty four. On the text line, somebody said, Jameis Winston to the Saudis ASAP.
3: I don't know. Jameis is a loyal guy. Loyal guy. The 30-for-30 30 30 season is unlike any other. But, yeah, he might go. Cam Newton, uh, Anderson oh, mentioned yeah. Cam Newton would definitely, would definitely jump ship to go uh, take that guaranteed money.
2: Yeah, he He'll doesn't have trying. a gig right now in the NFL, right? So, Cam, yeah. you might as well. Well, let's talk about fashion. Get Cam on the horn. I'll ask him my fashion <laughs> question coming up.
3: Josh Rosen, by the way, has been released oh. since by the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, he geez. is a free agent. Oh, no.
2: I'm surprised. Why, why isn't uh, – how Why is he still on the streets? Why haven't teams all swooped in to scoop him up? I do feel bad for Josh Rosen, though, in the sense that he, he didn't get a fair shake. He was with a coach that got fired after a year because he was so bad. And Rosen lost his job after a year. I mean, how many quarterbacks can you truly judge after a rookie season and he even start the whole year? So I do kind of feel bad. He wasn't great, but, I mean, come on. Trevor Lawrence, are you going to dump Trevor Lawrence after a bad year with a coach who was in over his head? Ridiculous. All right, speaking of quarterbacks, this is what I uh, actually wanted to get to. Oh, also on the text line, somebody said Colin Kaepernick.
3: Uh, yeah, probably. Kaepernick getting another shot at football. Yeah, you
2: know, Kaepernick is actually, that one's interesting. Um, Because to him, it makes it seem like it's not so much about, you know, the money. Well, actually, I take that back because at one point he did say he was only going to play for a certain price, right? Like the XFL offered him to come play in their league, and he said only like whatever it was hundred mil some ridiculous price. Yeah, so maybe, yeah, you know, maybe Colin Kaepernick would just take the money and go elsewhere. All right, getting to the Sean Watson, we know he settled twenty of uh, twenty-four uh, cases yesterday. Doesn't mean right, I've heard a lot of narrative, like almost like all right, let's be no. Like we saw four cases. We still have reports of two other women that are going to add on lawsuits. Like I don't know if this is theoretically ever going to go away. You're almost going to have to live, if you're Deshaun, if you have a guilty country, you're almost going to have to live like uh, looking over your shoulder, like more lawsuits could come down the road. But here was uh, Jeremy Fowler yesterday on SportsCenter talking about the latest with Deshaun after settling some of these lawsuits, where we stand here with the NFL and uh, what's next with the NFL and Deshaun.
1: Well, this is an important step for Watson in the NFL where it could make things a little easier that the league doesn't have to worry about or account for new findings in the case coming up or or to have to sort of recalibrate whatever discipline they want to hand down. But I'm told as far as the timeline, the NFL is sticking to their same process. They were hoping to wrap this up sometime between now and training camp in late July. That is still in play here. Uh, You know, they were willing to come to that conclusion regardless of the civil cases dragging on, because they've been doing this for about 18 months. They feel pretty good about their findings. Now, from Watson's side, this is a bit of a change of tone, where even as late as last week he was saying he was going to clear his name. Attorney Rusty Harden had told me in the past that any settlements, that Watson would want those to be public in the amounts of money. And it seems like now it's going to be confidential, according to attorney Tony Busby, uh, who's representing the plaintiffs. So that is a bit of a change. the league will factor into that and and that could help watson in the court of uh, public opinion as well
2: that was jeremy Fowler. i think this has definitely helped in the court of public i feel like a lot of people with the settlements
1: right a lot of times settlements
2: uh, make it seem like i said yesterday makes it makes you seem like you're guilty people just assume that that's uh, far from the case but in this situation uh for whatever reason it almost seems like things have to or at least maybe you get the sense of like okay it's beyond him it's done with but it's not because we still have these other lawsuits pending other women may still come forward. And then still, you have the NFL punishment. And if you're a football fan, I mean, that's, quite frankly, probably what you care about most. What's the NFL going to do? The NFL has said that this does not affect their uh, decision-making. And I would, would imagine it, it wouldn't. We can get into conspiracies of, like, why this happened, the timing. As I always say, timing is everything. Why is this happening now? Where he suddenly, when he was talking to the media about a week ago, saying, I'm going to continue to you know fight to clear my name, and then now here he is settling. Was this the Browns pushing him in that direction? Was it the NFL saying, kind of, you know, we don't want this story to linger into another season? Get this taken care of. We'll take it easier on you. I don't know. Was this uh, just the best legal advice? That, hey, you know, here's their price. you willing to do this and just make this go away? Maybe Deshaun just wants this to all disappear finally after a year and a half. I'm not sure the timing or the reason for the settlement now. But I would imagine it really shouldn't affect the NFL because I've been saying this all along. It's not about any sort of legal punishment or lawsuits. Instead, it's just really more about the situation, just the fact that you're in that situation to begin with. And the comparisons I always use, Ben Roethlisberger, Ezekiel Elliott, Adrian Peterson, were all suspended when there was no legal action. But they embarrassed themselves and, therefore, kind of embarrassed the league and their employer. And that was enough for the NFL to say, you know, yeah, you you kind of embarrassed the Shield. Uh, here's your punishment. And for Deshaun, I mean, this story has lingered on now for about a year. We're talking... 24 at least 24 women it's been the one of the biggest stories even if you settle all these lawsuits and nothing more comes from it if i'm the nfl like the damage has already been done it doesn't matter about the outcome of these lawsuits just the fact that you put yourself in this situation we had to deal with this this was a big story you made us look bad all Right here's your punishment i don't think settling the lawsuits from the nfl's purpose right, now now it's not like oh he settled uh, okay we don't have to worry about it anymore no like this still these accusations still occurred we still had this situation Deshaun still put himself in the spot From an NFL perspective in their punishment, I would imagine this doesn't change a whole lot. But we'll see. Reports are that the Browns will get some sort of indication by July 4th. I mean, that's coming up in, what, two weeks? Maybe we'll get some more clarity soon on the punishment for Deshaun. We'll wrap up hour one when we come back. It's the Morrow Midday Show on
0: ESPN Radio. Spend lunch with Luke.
6: Attention, campers. Lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it.
0: On the Morrow Midday Show.
2: Wrapping up Hour 1 of the Morrow Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. We'll continue to talk about the latest in the golf world coming up. Jay Monahan will have his press conference at the top of the hour. Jeremy Schilling will join us an hour after that. And uh, we'll talk about it throughout the afternoon. Plus, uh, which transfer quarterbacks are under the most pressure this year in college football? Speaking of quarterbacks, we were just touching on Deshaun Watson. That's probably a bad choice of words. We were discussing Deshaun Watson uh, last segment and uh, Deshaun, the, uh, what may be coming down the road from the NFL with some sort of punishment. And uh, I did see this reminder from Albert Breer that Deshaun signed. He's already been paid his uh, $45 million signing bonus. Remember, the Browns structured his contract a certain way that if he is suspended, he's only going to lose $57,000 a game, which is why I think part of the punishment should be some sort of like fine as well. Instead of uh, just the suspension or miss games, try to dip into the pocketbooks as well. On the text line, somebody says, I can't hear that song without thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 opening scene. I think of another movie, The Invention of Lying with Ricky Gervais when it comes to Mr. Blue Sky. The Guardians of the Galaxy, I haven't watched those movies, but their soundtracks are fantastic. And if they got Elo on there, that only furthers the point. Hour two coming up. We'll talk about Spencer Rattler and the transfer quarterbacks
7: next.
0: WTMZ ninety eight point nine FM, WTMZ nine ten AM and ninety four point seven FM, W two three four CD, Dorchester Terrace, Brentwood, Charleston. This is the Morrow Midday Show. But wait, there's more. On ESPN radio. Guess who's back, back, back.
8: Back again, in, in. Sadie's back, back, back. Tell her friend, friend,
6: friend. Guess who's back, 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 guess who's back.
2: second hour of the morrow midday show with luke morrow here on espn radio if you ever miss anything from the show you can always find the show podcasted. just search espn radio charleston however you listen to your podcast or the podcasts are available online at charlestonsportsradio.com you guys get in touch with the show head over to charlestonsportsradio.com click on our show page Not only are the podcasts available there, but you can always leave a comment for the show right there, charlestonsportsradio.com, and then on our show page. Get to us on Twitter at Middays. text the show, 843-608-1734, or give us a call, 843-721-9500, to join the conversation. It's Donor Appreciation Week. At CSL Plasma in North Charleston, I'll be back out at one of the locations tomorrow. Come say hello, donate plasma. I'll be there, of course, tomorrow, 12 to 3. We'll be doing the show from uh, one of the locations in North Charleston. I don't have the address in front of me, but it's uh, about 3700 Rivers Avenue. The one across over by uh, the hospital over there. Bobby will be out today at CSL Plasma across from the Northwoods Mall. That location. Two of them in North Charleston. So uh, Fan Talk will be doing the show from CSL Plasma coming up this afternoon. And uh, stay tuned for that. Donor Appreciation Week. Now, I've talked plenty about donating plasma. I've done it myself. They pay you on the spot. You walk out with uh, with the money. They give you 100 bucks the first time you donate plasma. It's not much different than donating blood. It just it takes a little longer, a little more time-consuming. So you have to devote. If you're doing it for the first time, it's going to take you about two to three hours. So I know that may turn you off, but... You know, 100 bucks plus this week for Donor Appreciation Week, they're giving away all sorts of things as well. Last year, apparently, I won a Bluetooth speaker, but they never told me, so I didn't get the Bluetooth speaker. Maybe they just told me that this year to help me feel better or entice me. Like, hey, actually, you won a Bluetooth speaker last year. Does it count if you never get the speaker? Right, that doesn't count as winning it. But uh, good people over there at CSL Plasma, I'll be out there again tomorrow, and uh, Fan Talk will be out there this afternoon. You can go see Bobby and donate some plasma later on today as you're getting off of work in uh, over there in north charleston i got a wedding coming up in a couple weeks
3: Ooh, here we go
2: yes Now i've got a bad well i don't know if it's a bad habit maybe it's a good habit but now like you know i have just from being in broadcasting we've gotten very lax you see coaches now no longer wear suits but for a long time like you'd always wear a suit to uh the basketball games not football not baseball whatever reason basketball even for the broadcasters you'd wear a full suit I've gotten a little a little more lax where I don't wear a suit as often anymore but my point being over the years I've, I've you know I got a handful of I got quite a few suits because I've needed them professionally for speaking engagements I do weddings which is true that's not a joke so um, <laughs> you know so I've gotten I have plenty of suits but I've gotten in the the habit or trend now of whenever I have a wedding I find myself going and purchasing a new outfit yeah. for, for that wedding sure so I got a wedding coming up in a couple weeks there we go I won't be on the air for a few days. And it's an outdoor wedding in July. Ooh,
3: tough. Now, uh, don't give up the location. But how are we looking as far as temperature goes? Have you uh, have you checked anything? What's the normal temp uh, wherever you're going to go?
2: I'm not afraid to share. It's back up in Connecticut. Okay. I knew. I do know. So that's a big difference, right? Outdoors, July in South Carolina, a little bit different than <laughs> Connecticut. I do know on Father's Day. I talked to my father, of course, on Father's Day. They said it was. Uh, they had a golf with jackets on this past weekend. It was like wow. 55 degrees. Wow. So. Usually, I mean, I grew up in Connecticut. It it may not be as hot as South Carolina, but it gets just, I mean, you know, it's still 90 degrees and humid usually in Connecticut by July. So I anticipate it may not be quite as warm as here, you know, where uh, it's like supposed to get to 97 today. It may not be quite that hot, but it's going to be hot enough outdoors in July. And it's humid, plenty humid up there as well. So, yeah, so this is a big issue now. How do I dress for a wedding in July? So I figured... My buddies and I that are all going to this wedding, we've all been t- – we're all trying to figure out, like, what are we wearing? What are you going to wear? Outdoor wedding in July. I've never gone to an outdoor wedding in the summer. It's always been indoors. I was at a wedding a couple of years ago in the summer where the air conditioning was not working at the facility, and we were indoors, and that was so hot. So I can only imagine. outdoor. Hopefully there's a nice breeze. Outdoors in July seems tough.
3: Yeah, that's, that's never good. If the I would I would have left. Sorry about that. You oh. know, married couple. You got my gift. Appreciate you. I'm out.
2: Yeah, it was a little tough. I got to be honest. <laughs> it got warm in there. Um, but my question. Because I consider you, this is radio, so people can't see, but we obviously work together. You know, you're a well-dressed man.
3: I appreciate that.
2: I consider you, I looked this up because I thought it would be like, you know, in Spanish where they have an A at the end of the word if it's uh, a feminine, uh, if it's for a a woman or a, yeah, just based off of gender roles, right, I guess? Sure. And an O for for, uh, masculine. But I, I, I don't think that applies here. I was gonna say a fashionista. Ah. But then I okay. thought, well, maybe you're more of a fashionisto. Sure. But then when I Google it, it looks like just fa- fashionista is, it's all encompassing. I'm cool with that. I don't mind that. Here's my question. Here we go. I'm thinking of outfits. All right, or what? What I'm gonna wear. I was talking to the uh, talking with a, a buddy about this, and there's a more there's a popular look today where you go with
3: almost like high waters, yeah. and no socks that's what I'm wearing right now actually yeah. So
2: I may already have the answer because we're similar in height. My buddy said that's a look for people that I don't want to I don't want to say shorter p- shorter people. I'm not calling you short, but if you go with that look, he said that's a look more for people that aren't quite as tall. Hmm. I'm almost I'm about 6'3" with shoes on. You're right there with me. You obviously you sport the look, so I guess I already know the answer. Do you think that that, that if you're you if you the taller you are, Maybe the more awkward it looks to go with the no socks, a little bit of a high waters look.
3: No, I, I don't think so. I think it's normally Luke. I would say it's about your body type build. Like how, if you're, if you're more slim, I think it works better to, uh, to do the high water. Look. Yeah. I mean, perfect wedding look for me is you know always go tighter pants because especially Mm -hmm. with short guys i've noticed this when you put on tighter clothing and this is actually from you know the italians they say this the the kings and queens of fashion if you're shorter you wear tighter clothes to be able to look taller now Mm -hmm. i think that with you and i we don't need to do that but i would say that when you have the pant rolled up with some loafers on you know and you got the matching uh coat jacket make the pants a little tighter boom you're good to go
2: interesting I like that brand. I
3: support, I support the look of of the high waters every single day. Yeah? Every single day. Oh, yeah.
2: I've never done it before. We've talked about this before. I know you don't wear socks. Right, rarely. Yeah. I'm a big sock guy, so I've never done the look before. But I'm thinking, I don't know, summer wedding? All right, looks a little comfortable. I'm looking up at photos of these guys. That's the new trend. A buddy of mine said, "No, no, no! You're too tall. You can't, you, you can't pull that off. That's not a look for you."
3: No, I disagree. I disagree with your friend. Yeah, if you, Luke, if you throw on some loafs with, you know, with the high water pants, and just make sure everything's looking clean and nice, a little bit tighter on the uh, fit when it comes to the pants. Oh my! I mean, you'll be the king of that wedding before the night's over.
2: I may have to look into that. Now, in terms of the full outfit, I'm definitely going business cash. Oh yeah. No tie, open collar. Nice. So I'm thinking. I'm gonna to have to do a little shopping this week, and maybe to see if I pick up a new jacket or something, new blazer. But I got a couple of different thoughts. I may one of my thoughts. I may go uh, the, guitarist of the Lumineers, where you go with <laughs> suspenders. No jacket. Yeah. Shirt, suspenders, roll up the sleeves. Nice pants. You go to the wedding that way.
3: That's a move. That that's always that's always a good move. Now I will say with that look, the high water look might look a little different. Might look a little different. I don't know if I do high waters. Yeah. So you'd have to pick one or the other, essentially, if you're gonna, you know, if you. But hey, that's a great look. That's a Peaky Blinders look, right there. That's true.
5: I have seen the photos. It's a good
3: look. It's a good look.
2: Yeah. Go suspenders, roll up the sleeves. Maybe in that case, maybe I'd throw on a tie. I'm a bow tie guy, too. Maybe I'll do a bow tie. I don't know. Open collar. Not a bad look. Or you go jacket, pants, and then I got to see that's the thing of it's a summer wedding. How summery do you get? Do I get like a a flashy shirt with like maybe flowers on it? Do I go like a salmon jacket? You know, how summery
3: do you get with the look for a summer wedding? I'll tell you this right now, Luke Morrow, you can never, ever go wrong with a salmon jacket Ooh. ever
2: my mother suggested a salmon jacket I and i don't yeah. have any salmon jackets nothing close to it
3: mama mara is a smart lady a smart <laughs> lady
2: so i may have to look into that we got to figure this out i got uh, got a couple of weeks to get to figure it out it's very important you gotta look. You gotta look the part at a wedding. You gotta look nice.
3: Yeah, yeah. Just you know, send me some photos when you're out shopping. You know, if I you're would. downtown, hey, I'll come meet you. See what's going on. Making sure we're good. I'll go in there with you and say, let's get a let's get a little tighter pants That's here. Right. Let's get a tight suit on. Let's get ready to go.
2: That's right. Look out, Joseph A. Bank. The <laughs> morrow Midday Show is rolling in there together. We're gonna figure this thing out with your suit deals, Joseph yeah. A. Bank. We're coming. That's right. You're. Uh, what's the one you're gonna love? How you look? Who's that? Like Men's Warehouse or something? <laughs> we're heading over there. Brothers, yeah, you have to get this straightened out. I don't know about that. I don't know if the high waters would look for me, but I may be willing to check it out.
3: Yeah, see see how it looks, and it's all about the shoes as well. You got to have the correct shoes on for the high water. That's
2: true. Last thing I'll say is I've also considered. But I think this is a bit much. I, I'm a big three-piece suit guy, I like vest. Mm. So what if I ditch the jacket, wear a vest?
3: Vest only. Vest only. Another Peaky Blinders look. Oh, right yeah, that's a that's a, the suspenders and the vests are uh, our Peaky Blinders. This uh, show 1. may 0. be for
2: me after all. I know. I like these looks, these outfits. That the I'm Italian about.
3: rivals as well. You would yeah. love them. You love them.
2: May have to check the show out. I'm also concerned about just traveling. Unfortunately, flights really since the start of the pandemic, but it's it's crept up again. Flights being canceled. We love uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo around here. He went on a great rant on his radio show yesterday. Just to give you the uh, the foundation of this, he's about to take a call, so he's introducing the caller at the very beginning of this clip. And then the caller is from, I think, Madison, Wisconsin, if I remember correctly, and Russo's kid goes to school there. So then that leads to a whole rant, and then the ending is the best because then he tries to bring it back to the caller. Anyways, here's Chris Russo ranting about the airlines on his radio show on Sirius XM yesterday.
7: We'll get Jason in Madison, Wisconsin. And speaking of Madison, Colin Russo did not get home this weekend. So I got a burr up my fanny on Delta Airlines. Delta for the birds. You, the airline should be embarrassed. I'm getting off the deep end here. But the airline should be embarrassed that all of America couldn't fly anywhere for the last three or four days. 22% of flights canceled on Thursday. 18% of flights canceled on Friday. Hey, Delta, I don't need an apology to NBC. You know, your job is to make sure you get a plane in Madison, Wisconsin, and get my kid home for Father's Day weekend. Go ahead, Jay.
6: <laughs> I love that ending. After
2: that rant, go ahead, Jay, finally gets to the caller. Imagine following that up. Like, you don't even want to say anything if you're the caller anymore. Russo's all fired up about the airlines. Airlines have been a problem with all these canceled flights. Love a good Chris Russo rant. Now, this was on his radio show, and this wasn't planned. He got kind of distracted. What do you think of just in general if, like, celebrities take to Twitter to complain, let's use the same example, about airlines or, like, a canceled flight or delay if they're a celebrity complaining on social media?
3: Yeah, I don't know if they understand the pain uh, of what you actually go through. Like, Luke, my mother was a flight attendant for 25 years. Uh, You you know, I get some flight benefits. I've been trapped in airports for three to four days. Like, Mm. you know, so when celebrities go on and they're like, hey, at Delta, I missed my flight today, even though it was probably their fault at the beginning (laughs) of it. You have a first class ticket. You're definitely going to get on the flight cancellations happen I don't really like people complaining about it I saw I saw Bobby carpenter uh who uh, does radio in Columbus yeah. former Ohio State uh linebacker went off on Delta really? like a six thread you, you know tweet about Delta and how basically it was just one cancelled flight get uh-huh. over it like yeah. you know I know it's a it's a big problem there's no doubt I fly all the time get over like get over it yeah come on Take the next one. Wow, we've had
2: Bobby on the show a couple of times. We're gonna have to have him come on, and we'll debate about this. <laughs>
3: he also saved, you know, college football. So thank you, General Carpenter. We appreciate you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, you know, a lot
2: of times social media is used to uh, complain, and especially if it's somebody of like higher standard, higher standing, that their problems may not be as brutal as yours. I usually don't like it, but I will say when it comes to, like the airlines, a lot of times that's the only way you get a good response. Is on Twitter, so in that sense, I will defend them. That you know, otherwise, you're gonna be on hold for two hours, and uh, you know, hard to even talk to somebody or talk to somebody at the airport. That's usually the easiest way. So sometimes, unfortunately, right, something off a tweet that making makes somebody look bad, then they'll get back to you quicker on Twitter than they will on the phone or even in person. Yesterday, while we're playing clips from other radio shows, yesterday I was talking about. We played the clip from the comedian Sebastian Maniscalco talking about fathers paying with cash. Here is my guys Cavino and Rich. on. Uh, they were filling in on Fox Sports Radio yesterday on our sister station. And one of the hosts, Steve Cavino, was telling a story about his father always trying to pay with cash as well. My dad is like an old-school
6: Jersey Guido, right? Looks like Father Guido Sarducci.
9: Your dad looks like Dennis Eckersley and Ravishing Rick <laughs> He
3: does. He's got that Yanni look to him, but slick back hair, mustache. And he's always that guy that no matter what the price is, yeah,
9: but what about in cash? He's always that guy. Cash money. Sir, you're so at now, tra- Sir, you're at Chipotle. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah, I said what's that? $14.99? How about ten dollars cash? <laughs> sir, it doesn't work that way. It works uh, that way at, at uh I would say what? The car dealerships, Metro stores, um yeah, and the uh, gas station. The gas station, yeah, ten cents.
2: Yeah, gas has gotten so bad that you have to start paying with cash just to save the ten cents on the gallon or whatever it is that they charge for the car. But that's fine. Sebastian Mascalco put the clip, son. I was talking about it yesterday. We got that clip now. I don't know if this is uh, like an Italian thing, and I'm not looking to commandeer some sort of smart business sense. Sebastian's Italian. Steve Cavino's Italian. You know, my father's Italian. My father would do the same thing. Not at a Chipotle, not at Sears, but certainly would offer up. I don't know if this is just a father thing or if it's just smart business. Trent, does your father ever try to pull the, hey – Will you lower the price if I pay in cash right here, right now?
3: No, Luke. I think that it might be more of a regional thing. Quite honestly, I'm, you know, my pops is from Texas, uh, Louisiana. Texas now lives in uh, South Carolina. He'll whatever the price is. He's like, yeah, he's never going to haggle with it, and he's not a big cash carrier. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing. A lot of people nowadays, you know, don't carry cash. I do have respect for people who just pull out a wad of cash, you know, in a rubber band, and start counting yeah. it out, <laughs> and then pay for their pizza. I mean, that's that's the absolute best.
2: That's true. I don't think I've gone to an ATM in the four years I've lived here. Really? Yeah, hey, I'm not a cash guy. All, all plastic. I use all cards. You ever go to the ATM? You ever have cash on you?
3: Yeah, sometimes. I, I like mm-hmm. to have it. Uh, playing golf, uh, I mean, you want to have cash for the, uh, yeah. for the cart guys, so that's true. really the only time I go to the ATM is, uh, is to get cash for golf.
2: That's true. When I'm traveling, I do try to have cash. You never know. You run into a spot for whatever reason. Most places now do, obviously, just about everybody takes card. But you never know. You get into a situation, sometimes you got to have cash on you. So it's always good to have.
3: Yeah, it, carry cash while you're traveling. Just, you know, a couple dollars to yeah, whoever's yeah, helping you out.
2: That's true, especially for the tips, right? Yeah. You go to a hotel, whatever, you got to tip the guy, bringing the bags up to the room. If he, uh, by the way, I've gone to a lot of hotels. I haven't seen that in a long time.
3: Oh, there's, like, With no bell more bellhops. Yeah. yeah, unless you're at, like, you know, the Charleston place downtown or something. Mm, that, that's yeah, about it.
2: Yeah, that's true. On the text line, somebody said, White suit, Open Collar. Go with the Saturday Night Fever look like John Travolta. We're even Tony Montana. Chicks dig it. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad look. Hey, I went. I was the only guy at my senior prom to wear the white white uh, suit. I love a good white. That's why I always liked Rick Patino.
3: Of course you were. Oh, Of yeah. course you love were. Love
2: the white suit. <laughs> and at a wedding, I'd probably go white suit as well. Right? Sorry. Sorry, honey, in your white dress. Right? I love a good white suit. Maybe that'll be the look. And I'll bust some moves, too, like Saturday Night, like John Travolta back in the day. Hey, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about quarterbacks with the um, uh, transferring quarterbacks with the most pressure. We'll get to that. It's the tomorrow midday show on ESPN Radio.
0: Now back to the Morrow midday show on ESPN Radio.
2: It's the Morrow Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. Which transfer quarterback has the most pressure on them in college football this year? Of course, Spencer Rattler's on that list. Where would we rank Rattler? Uh, He's one of seven guys. We have more transfer quarterbacks than that, but I think there's seven guys that have kind of big expectations with their new school this year. We'll organize and order them. But first, here was Spencer Rattler on the Zach Gelb show the other night on CBS Sports Radio uh, answering a couple of questions as he gets ready to take over as the new quarterback of the Gamecocks. Here was Rattler the other night.
8: I mean, I, I think I can take my game, you know, to another level this year. So I just buy in in the, in the film room, do what my coaches tell me, and uh, we go out there and compete as a team. If, if everybody plays well, then everybody's going to have highlight success and all that. So that's what we're focused on first. But um, you know, I, I still think I could play very well this year, and uh, we'll see where the cards roll next year, but we're really focused on this year, not looking too much into the future, but I'm still I'm still confident.
9: I respect that, but this time last year, people were talking about you as a first round quarterback, a number one overall pick potentially. Where's your belief level that you could get back to where the world's making those uh, claims and kind of projections about your career moving into the future?
8: Uh, you always want to think of yourself as the best guy, so Um, My mindset hasn't changed, and I'm just going to keep putting in the work uh, to try to get back to that that first round, whatever, and uh, get to it. But the main focus right now is being up here, just working with the guys, um, really buying in, creating that chemistry on the team, and I'm excited for it.
9: What do you say to people who doubt you and say, what happened last year at Oklahoma is the quarterback that you're going to be, and there's a reason why you had to transfer and had to leave that school?
8: You know, you, you can't really get bought into what people say. You know, that's something I've, I've learned in my college career so far, you know, in my career overall. So um, I really don't focus on that. Um, you know, definitely getting older and being able to go through adversity, you know, helps you with that. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't faze me.
9: What do you want people to know about you? There's been so much that has been talked about and there's been so much of a narrative, good and po- uh, good and negative, built up about you. What do you want the, the person listening to this to know about Spencer Rattler?
8: Oh, I'm I'm just a confident guy. You know, fought through adversity, still fighting, and you know we'll never quit, and always be about his team, be about his work, and be about his business. So, um, that that I think that's the mindset you got to have in life. And you know, I'm confident but humble at the same time. So uh, that's how I describe myself.
9: What's been some of the best advice that you've received in the last year? Just wondering,
8: Spencer. Uh, probably from my dad. Just just talking about hey, going back to you know really 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 diving into it and, you know, knowing God has a plan. There's a reason you're here. Um, God has a plan. So, you know, that's that's been my mindset, and there's a reason I'm here. And we're just putting in our work every day and keeping our head down and see where it ends up.
2: That was Spencer Rattler on CBS Sports Radio the other night on the Zach Gelb Show. When we look at quarterbacks that have transferred in college football, which ones have the most pressure on them this year? Where would you put Spencer? Does he even have a lot of pressure on him coming into – columbia here's my top six and then we'll figure out where to put spencer rattler but i think the only six quarterbacks who transfer that truly have some sort of pressure on them because there are a lot more quarterbacks than that that transfer that will be starters elsewhere uh, michael Penix jr right transferred out uh bo nix is now starting at oregon but eh, they're not really on the national radar for me number one is caleb williams right at usc Spence the guy that beat out spencer rattler at oklahoma uh caleb williams joining lincoln riley at usc you have a big brand you have a conference there for the taking You have high expectations they're the favorite in the conference despite winning only four games a year ago you have lincoln riley in that offense he played with lincoln riley so you don't have the learning curve he already knows the offense and the coach we know what lincoln riley has done with past quarterbacks turning them into heisman contenders if not winners so i think caleb williams certainly number one big brand team expectations familiarity already with the offense flashed at Oklahoma, is considered one of the top three quarterbacks in the country. He's right there with C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, and those two did not transfer. He did, so therefore he has the most pressure on him because he's theoretically supposed to be the best of the transfer quarterbacks. He has to live up to that billing. Number two, I would say, is Quinn Ewers at Texas. Similar reasons, but we haven't seen Ewers yet. At least we've seen Caleb Williams, and you've seen that potential and what he's capable of. Ewers, we just hope he, he pans out at Texas. He was the number one quarterback in his class before, you know, reclassifying to get to Ohio State early to earn money, but otherwise he'd be the number one quarterback, you know, in his class. So you have the number one quarterback at a big brand at Texas. We always talk about his Texas back. You have a wide open conference. Texas has the second best odds to win the Big Twelve. You have an offensive coach in Steve Sarkisian. You're coming off a very disappointing year, a year ago when they were under 500 and missed a bowl game. You have probably the best running back in the country in the backfield with you. And Texas fans are going to expect, actually probably all college football fans, will have pretty high expectations for this kid immediately. I think those two are the clear top two guys with the most pressure on them from transferring quarterbacks. Then we would get to, like, the next tier. And number three, I would probably put Max Johnson, who transferred to Texas A&M. We've had his father Brad on the show before, Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He played at LSU and now at Texas A&M. The reason why I put him at number three, it's twofold. Number one, well, it's Texas A&M. The expectations are there, especially with the trash talking from Jimbo and the fact that uh, they pulled in the best recruiting class ever this offseason, and they haven't made it to the playoff yet. So Texas A&M, since bringing in Jimbo Fisher, they've always had that pressure on them. And now you're bringing in a quarterback who's already started in the SEC, so it's not like Quinn Ewers playing for the first time. We know what he's capable of. He knows the conference. He's going to know his opponents, especially LSU. He's replacing a guy who transferred out and beat Alabama a year ago. So that's kind of the starting point when you want to try to match up to the person before you, right? Just like you get into a new relationship, you want to be better than all the other significant others, of course. Max Johnson, you're stepping in for a guy that, well, Texas a did have a great year last year and did beat Alabama. right? what can you do against Alabama this year? And he's already played in the SEC. He has that experience. They have the expectations for Texas A&M. I put Max Johnson number three. Number four, sticking in the SEC, I would say Jackson Dart transferring to Ole Miss because Ole Miss was a top-ten team at one point a year ago. You have Lane Kiffin in that offense. You have to replace, again, going back to replacing the guy before you, Matt Corral, who had a big-time year and got drafted. So now the expectations fair or otherwise are going to be that dart you're stepping in you're gonna have to get similar production maybe not necessarily exactly as good as matt corral but there can't be a huge drop off and with lane kiffin running that offense and the expectations and it is the sec i put him number four number five i go at keaton slovis transferring to pittsburgh look they won the conference a year ago and their quarterback that he's replacing kenny pickett highest drafted quarterback in pittsburgh history broke all sorts of records, played great last year, and helped them go and win the ACC. So just like the examples with Texas A&M and Ole Miss, part of that pressure and expectation is about who you're replacing. If you're replacing Howard Stern or or uh, an actual thing that happened with Rush Limbaugh with his passing, right? when you're replacing a guy like that, the pressure is much higher on you as opposed to you're stepping into a situation where the previous guy got run out of town because he wasn't very good. You don't want to be the guy that replaces the guy. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy who tries to replace the guy. Keep up with that line of logic. But for Slovis going to Pittsburgh, you have to try to replace Kenny Pickett, who I mean, broke Dan Marino's records, was drafted higher than Marino. And they're the defending conference champions, so now Pitt fans believe, like, hey, we can go win this thing again. Slovis, I put number five in terms of most pressure for quarterbacks who have transferred. And then number six, I would say Dylan Gabriel, who's at Oklahoma. He's back with the offensive coordinator he had at UCF when they were a very prolific offense. Uh, Oklahoma struck out on keeping Caleb Williams or even Spencer Rattler. Now Dylan Gabriel is supposed to come in and be that replacement. So you see the theme here. Who are you replacing? And big shoes that you're filling in for. And then, of course, you have Brent Venables, uh, first year. He's never been a head coach before. And Oklahoma, they have high expectations. They always do. And they're the favorite still to win their conference. So Dylan Gabriel I put at number six, which may be a little low, but I put him six behind those other guys for the reasons explained. Those are the six quarterbacks in the transfer portal that I think have the most pressure. Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Max Johnson, Jackson Dart, Keenan Slovis, Dylan Gabriel. Then we get to Spencer Rattler. And I really don't know where I would slot him if he would have cracked the top six. I think locally there's going to be pressure on Spencer Rattler. Right? If you're a Gamecock fan, you probably have high expectations for him. Because on paper, he's the most talented quarterback South Carolina has ever had. Therefore, he should perform like it. A year ago, we were talking about Spencer Rattler being the number one pick and the Heisman winner. So you know that the potential, you'd like to think, is still there to perform at a high level. I think locally, here in the state, amongst Gamecock fans, from me, I would put a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler. I think he needs to play really well this year. I think he needs to play better than he did uh, at Oklahoma, where he lost his starting job. And it's going to be harder playing in the SEC. But nationally, I don't know if that conversation is the same. Because it's all due respect to the Gamecocks, right? It's not USC or Texas. They don't have that big brand. They don't have the expectations of winning the SEC this year or even competing for such a title. In fact, Vegas still has their win total of like five and a half or five. Vegas doesn't even know if they're going to be a bowl team. So the expectations of the program are low. Then you want to talk about replacements. Well, he's coming in for a team that had to start four different guys last year. They had to put Joyner back at quarterback. They had to bring one of their grad assistants onto the field. So he's not replacing a Rush Limbaugh. He's replacing the guy who failed to replace the legend, in a sense. So you have a program that doesn't have as high of expectations, not as big nationally, uh, not replacing some sort of top-end quarterback. And the other part, too, is for Spencer Rattler, I think already people have kind of bailed on him. I think the pressure he had to endure was a year ago when people were hyping him up to be the Heisman or to be the number one pick. And now no one's having those conversations. So that pressure nationally is not the same for Spencer Rattler as it was a year ago because people don't really expect that high performance. And they, you know, they've kind of already, that ship has sailed. They've moved on from Spencer Rattler. Ah, oh, you know, we were kind of wrong about him. We thought he was going to be really good. Ah, I guess he's not. All right, who, who are the other top quarterbacks? And everyone's talking about a Caleb Williams and a C.J. Stroud and a Bryce Young, and you're not hearing Spencer Rattler's name being mentioned for, you know, the best quarterback in the SEC or a dark horse Heisman candidate. So I don't think he has a lot of pressure nationally. If he goes out there and he doesn't play great, people are just going to say, yeah, you know, we saw that he got benched at Oklahoma. What do you expect? it's the gamecocks it's the sec it's a lot tougher than the big 12 but nationally i don't know if there is a ton of pressure on spencer rattler i'm sure he puts a lot of pressure on himself to try to bounce back he still wants to be a high pick in the nfl draft and his stock has cratered over the last 12 months so i'm sure he internally feels pressure like i gotta go out there and perform and play better but nationally i don't know if we're having those conversations locally sure amongst gamecock fans i see all the hype people talking you're excited you have spencer and for good reason but he better perform to some sort of high level to meet meet those uh, expectations of the fan base. So if we're talking transfer quarterbacks with the most pressure, I gave you my top six. Would Rattler crack the top six? I think we could honestly debate it. I don't know. The pressure may not be all that high on Dylan Gabriel at Oklahoma. Maybe not so much Keaton Slovis at Pittsburgh. It is Pitt at the end of the day. So if I were to put Spencer Rattler in this top six, maybe I'd slot him number five ahead of those two and still behind Jackson Dart and Max Johnson because Texas A&M and Ole Miss have higher expectations. And also Ole Miss, you have Lane Kiffin calling the plays, and Matt Corral was excellent last year. And for Texas A&M, you got Jimbo Fisher calling the plays, and uh, they have dreams of making it to the playoff, where South Carolina, they have dreams of, you know, just making it to a bowl game, winning seven games in the regular season this year. So if I put them in the top six, I'd probably put them at number five there behind Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Max Johnson, Jackson Dart and ahead of Keaton Slovis and Dylan Gabriel. But at least nationally, I don't know if there is a ton of pressure on Spencer Rattler like some of these other guys. Like a Quinn Ewers who's supposed to be the savior at Texas. Caleb Williams who's supposed to get USC back in the playoff. For Spencer Rattler, it's like, all right, just, you know, let's have a winning season. We won six games in the regular season last year. Let's be better than that. Those are my expectations. Win seven games this year. That's different than, all right, win the conference and go to the playoff. Especially for a USC team that was 4-8 and eight or a Texas team that was 5-7 and seven last year. When we come back, it's time for Trent takes. The More Midday Show right
0: here on ESPN Radio. Spend lunch with Luke.
6: Attention campers, lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it.
0: On the Morrow Midday Show. It's
2: the Morrow Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. If you ever miss anything from the show, catch on demand, search ESPN Radio Charleston, however you listen to your podcast. Last hour, we were wondering if what's happening with uh, the golf world could happen with other sports. Could somebody like the Saudi Arabians with their deep pockets come away and, you know, try to uh, interfere with the NFL and steal talent away and start a competing league, a competitor? Well, I just saw this. Um, the uh, John Wall, we know that he uh, he opted into his deal. Assuming he plays, let's say, 60 games this upcoming year, and that's probably on the high end. Uh, that would give him 100 games played over four years. He will have made $171 million by, uh, over a four-year period by the time next season ends. So, you know, he's already making a ton of money to not play very often. So that's going to be hard to beat with these other sports where golf was a little bit more vulnerable. Something like this occurring. We'll talk with Jeremy Schilling next hour, probably closer to 2.30, and uh, get the lowdown from him on everything going on in the golf world. But we do it around this time each and every day. We find out what's on the mind of the producer. It's time for Trends Takes what's on the mind of the
0: morrow midday show producer
3: draft luke morrow that's Peter. right it's time for
0: Trends takes
3: the radio cowboy will be coming and he's coming soon folks luke before we get into any uh football basketball topics i do have a combat sports topic i would like to uh throw out there to the universe so i don't know if you know the the fighter nate diaz uh he's very polarizing. Um, He hasn't won a fight in the last five years. He's relatively old when it comes to the UFC. He was one of the, you you know, my favorite fighters to watch because this is a guy whose jaw, he will never fall. He always just stands up. I mean, he's bleeding after every single round. It's unbelievable. Now, Dana White wants to get him back on a UFC card, but they can't work out a deal. So what potentially might happen, there's a YouTuber by the name of Jake Paul who has been calling out Mr. Diaz for quite some time and he will be hosting a fight at madison square garden on august 6th luke marl that's either going to be tyson fury's brother tommy fury who i think personally jake paul will knock out in the first couple rounds if nate diaz fights jake paul in a boxing match we might get what the world has been waiting for jake paul on the canvas knocked out if nate diaz and jake paul fight i will bet right now luke Morrow, that nate diaz will knock him out in six rounds i would think no doubt i thought it was going to be tyron woodley they did it twice he knocked him out that jake paul knocked him out that was it was a big problem for me because i was like there is no way in the world one of the better strikers in the ufc going up against jake paul granted the weight difference was about 30 pounds so you have to you know uh, add that into it, but if mm-hmm. Nate Diaz gets up to weight, he already fights around 175, so if he gets up to 190, Jake Paul's head's going on the canvas. There's no doubt about it.
2: I think a lot of people would like to see that.
3: Oh, everybody in the world. Are you <laughs> kidding me? But I will say like, cr- credit to Jake, incredibly impressive Like yeah. what he's been able to do to, to knock out everybody he's fought. Granted, he fought a basketball player, a YouTuber, and then Tyron Woodley, yeah. five-time UFC, UFC champion, but I would say that Woodley is more known his grappling uh than he is his striking even though he is a very vicious knockout uh, artist but at the same time he's more known for his grappling but if nate diaz and jake paul fight it's gonna be all over but the crying if if, just go watch nate diaz highlights folks because this guy throws absolute bombs he beat conor mcgregor that's like the big uh claim to fame conor mcgregor went up 20 pounds to uh go fight him in the uh not sure welterweight division if i'm not Uh mistaken and and they went all five rounds but nate diaz beat him up so i think he's going to do the same to jake paul if that happens
2: it'll be interesting to see i don't know if it's sure or not but i know logan paul his brother so that jake is broke now because he uh invested all his money in cryptocurrency yeah
3: yeah that's a problem
2: so if that's the case he's got to get back in that ring get some of that guaranteed
3: money for some sort of fight Well, it's also good for Jake Paul because he's like he has a promotions uh, thing now, uh, much like Floyd Mayweather has. And I mean, he signed one of the top female boxers in the world, Amanda Serrano, uh, to, you know, to a big deal. And she fought at MSG a couple months ago. So he's actually doing decent things in the business world when it comes to boxing and fighting for UFC fighter pay, which brings me to the PGA Tour. Now, why is it that the PGA Tour just now has an influx of cash to be able to put on massive tournaments when you know they've never ever done this before they've always kept the cash to themselves again 1 billion dollars in revenue year in and year out still the you know the top 50 golfers are only making a million dollars a year scratch my head at that that's a little interesting and now all of a sudden when you have a competitor who has all the money in the world you're going to put on these high stakes events with big purses i don't understand why they've made this shift i mean granted i do understand it but why now you should have been doing this 20 years ago that would have made golf a lot more interesting if we took the top 50 players in the world in the fedex cup standings and put them in for you know a 25 million dollar purse are you kidding me that'd be absolutely awesome imagine that 10 years ago when tiger was going and phil was in his prime and everything like that that would have been phenomenal now it's coming to light because you have somebody with deeper pockets than you that can buy you out at any time
2: yeah it's like when you go to your boss and uh bluff your way to a raise, Mm. or you say, like, hey, I got somebody else interested, and then they give you more money? It's like, oh, man, how come I could have been making this money all (laughs) along? Why did it take me threatening to leave for you to actually pay me what I think I'm worth? And similar idea here where these guys, they're not just threatening, they are leaving for the other, you know, for the Live Golf series, and now the PGA Tour is like, all right, I guess we're going to have to pony up some money to keep these guys around here. It's a fair question to wonder, like, how come you weren't doing this before? (laughs) Where did this money come from? That's a good question. Yeah, why are you just – why this – just suddenly happened now. Why haven't we been doing this for years?
3: Yeah, it's a weird. I kind of like you said earlier, compare it to the NCAA a little bit. They got competitors, and now it's like, oh, here we go. We gotta, you know, pony up some cash. So it's gonna be interesting to see what the PGA Tour does. I still will point out all the hypocrisies, much like Greg Norman did with uh, the Saudi-backed money that is in the PGA Tour when it comes to sponsorships. I know it's a little bit different, but let's not harp on these athletes for trying to go get a payday. I completely understand it. If somebody offered me to go, uh, you know, $50 million to go commentate live, I—I I mean, who's turning that down? Not me. I'll tell you that right now, Luke Marl. I probably—you probably feel a little similar.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. It, that's why I haven't been all that hard on the golfers themselves, because I understand we can yeah. all sit here on our high horses and say, "How dare they!" But, you know, until you're presented in that situation where someone's offering you life-changing money to work less, it's like uh, that's hard to turn down uh by the way it's talking about broadcasting what nick Fal nick faldo's leaving uh cbs yeah and there are rumors maybe he'll be joining <laughs> as a broadcaster joining the live golf series so we'll see
3: sir nick yeah he's uh, he's leaving interesting about the sir i've never i i you know if i saw nick faldo in public i don't know if i'd let the sir slip first and that probably you know he'd probably get mad at me i
2: that. would never call him sir <laughs> in person it's a little uh you know pretentious and uh he's just hey nick Hey, buddy. That's what I thought. Hey, pal. How you doing?
3: Uh, Yeah, a little much there. Now, speaking of a little much, Dan Orlovsky put out his uh, top five quarterbacks under 25 and younger, if you will. Now, I will read through this list, Luke Morrow, and give my thoughts. I'd like to get yours as well. Joe Burrow at number one. I agree with that. Lamar Jackson at number two. I would agree with that. Justin Herbert at number three, I'd probably agree with that. You probably could put him in front of uh, Lamar Jackson, even though Lamar has won a lot more games and has been to the playoffs, unlike Justin Herbert. Four and five are rather interesting to me. Trevor Lawrence is number four on this list with quarterbacks younger than 25. Mac Jones at five. Now, let me point something out real quick. Kyler Murray is under the age of 25. And if you ask me right now, Luke Morrow, I would put Kyler Murray over Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones 10 times out of 10, because I haven't seen enough from these guys. I've seen what I've needed to see when it comes from Kyler Murray. Trey Lance potentially could get into this conversation eventually, but I agree with the top three there. I'd throw Kyler in there at four, probably Mac Jones at five, I I, I would think, but Trevor Lawrence, I mean, what are we doing? He's not not top five right now for QBs younger than 25. No way.
2: That's fair. I, I don't think I disagree with anything you said. This kind of goes back to the fine bomb Kirby versus Dabo thing. Are we basing it off of, like, expectations moving forward or just what we know now? Right. Because, yeah, Kyler Murray definitely, like today, better quarterback than Mac Jones than Trevor Lawrence. I'm not a big Kyler Murray guy, so I wouldn't be surprised if by the end of their careers Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones will be better. So maybe Orlowski's saying if he could take any quarterback, he'd rather have those guys for the long haul. I get that. If we're talking about today, you have to rank the best quarterbacks right now, I think Kyler Murray should be ahead of those two. And then I agree with you, Mac Jones I'd probably put ahead of. Mac Jones looked a lot better last year than Trevor Lawrence. I know he's in a better situation, but hey, that's the NFL. Uh, Mac Jones played better a year ago. So I would agree with you. Like, if I was putting this list together in terms of right now who's been the best, I'd put Kyler for Mac Jones 5, leave Trevor Lawrence out. If I'm trying to forecast the future, maybe I'm being too hard on Kyler. I wouldn't be surprised if – Trevor has a better career than Kyler Murray. And Mm. maybe Mac Jones, if he stays in New England with Belichick. Maybe. I'm just... I don't know. I'm down on Kyler Murray right now.
3: There was a big debate this morning that was going on about is Joe Burrow the true number one out of this. And maybe, I don't know, I'm on the hype train. But did anybody watch last season, not only the playoff run, but his regular season? I mean, he had 5,300 yards, almost 50 touchdown passes, a good touchdown to interception ratio. I think right now, Luke, there is zero argument that uh, Joe Burrow is not the best you know number one overall for uh, the 25 and younger crowd justin herbert there's an argument he hasn't been to the playoffs yet i mean come on when it matters most he hasn't shown up and that's what's most important joe burrow shows up lamar jackson has shown up i need to see more from justin herbert before i give him because he i mean prototypical quarterback wise he's got every gift every single gift he can run he's six foot six 250 pounds he's got an absolutely rocket arm But he just hasn't won enough, and that could go back to the roster. When I look at their roster, they've got a pretty dang good roster. I mean, it's tough to, you know, start making excuses when you're throwing to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams got Austin Eckler in the backfield. It's tough to start making excuses. Hunter Henry catching, you know, from the tight end position. Very difficult for me to put Justin Herbert as the number one, and that was the big argument this morning was, oh, Justin Herbert's, you know, head over heels better than all these guys. I don't see it. Uh, as of right now, I don't see it. You have a better roster than majority of the teams in the NFL, and you still haven't made the playoffs. What is that? Is that Brandon Staley, or is it Justin Herbert?
2: That's a fair point. It makes for more interesting radio to disagree and debate, but I agree with you again <laughs> on this point. I'm with you. I think Herbert has a better skill set than Joe Burrow, but the big difference has been the success in terms of winning. Uh, Burrow took a bad team the year prior um, to now a Super Bowl appearance. And like you said, Herbert hasn't even – Herbert certainly has a playoff roster. He probably has a Super Bowl roster too, and they haven't gotten to the playoffs yet. So I think Herbert, from like an individual perspective, I do think he's more skilled than Burrow. But winning is the most important. Burrow won in college. He's won enough in the NFL to at least get to the Super Bowl. Herbert, Oregon was always kind of a little disappointment, and um, and now in the NFL, the Chargers have been a disappointment. And people always blame the coaches. Mario Cristobal wouldn't unleash Justin Herbert. Brandon Staley's too aggressive. You know. Herbert's been the theme so far. He's got to make the play. The Chargers have to make the playoffs this year, but they're in a very tough division. So I do agree with you. I think Herbert, same idea, could have the better career individually over Burrow, but Burrow has shown the ability to win these big games that uh, I I would probably feel more comfortable taking him right now over Justin Herbert.
3: Yeah, I know. I agree with you, Luke. I mean, when you look at the guys who are catching passes for Justin Herbert, outside of Jamar Chase, I would take Keenan Allen over Tyler Boyd and T. Yeah. Higgins. I'd take Mike Williams over those two guys. I wouldn't take them over Jamar Chase as of right no. now just because that connection, and he's probably going to go down as one of the better receivers that we've seen in the last 20 yeah. years from all the projections and seeing his teammate Justin Jefferson, as you know, the way that he's produced. like, I mean, this guy is going to be an all-time great, but I'd take his pass catchers over the second and third option for uh, for the Bengals, ten times out of ten, all day long.
2: Yeah, I agree. Probably better tight end too. Yeah, right? definitely, yeah.
3: definitely. And they lost Uzama for the, for the Bengals. Yeah, right. So right. yeah,
2: yeah, better offensive line. Much
3: yeah. better. He was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. Yes. Yeah, they Burrow, still went yeah. to the Super Bowl. Come
2: on. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Uh, that's why I think Herbert. He's got a lot of pressure on him this year. Uh, you got to make the playoffs. And when Burrow does what he does, it only makes Herbert look worse. Puts more pressure on him. So I don't care. He's in a tough division. They got they got to find a way to get in this year because they blew it last year. We'll wrap up hour two next. It's the Morrow Midday Show on ESPN
0: Radio. Now back to the Morrow Midday Show on ESPN Radio.
2: Wrapping up Hour 2 of the Morrow Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. You can always get in touch with the show. Head over to charlestonsportsradio.com, click on our show page, and you can send a message to the show there. Clarence said, I could see Jeff Bezos wanting to compete with one of the big sports if he wasn't trying to go into space. Amazon could go up against the NFL and have a decent shot of competing against the league if Amazon didn't have the Thursday night football deal. The NBA would be a close second with Bezos as it has a global reach thanks to Jordan and LeBron James. Yeah, the NBA is the most uh, global. That's why the NFL, they're going and playing in other countries. They're trying to get there. So the NBA is global. Uh, if you were to pick like a candidate other than the Saudi Arabians, yeah, I mean, you would look at a Jeff Bezos. You'd look at the richest people in the world, or the country at least. He's worth $132 billion with a B, which is so absurd to try to wrap your mind about. Uh, but I just, as we discussed earlier, I don't know how likely it is to really take on one of these other sports. I just gave you the numbers of John Wall's played 40 games over the last four years. He's made $171 million in those four years. So you talk about for golf, guys are playing less, making more. Well, I mean, John Wall, he's played 40 games. He's averaged 10 games, and he's making $171 million. I think the money is enough that... It would take a lot to pull these guys away. And then you also get into numbers. For golf, it's all individual. You get 40 golfers, you got yourself a tour. For football, you may need at least eight teams. You got at least 50 guys on a team. You're talking about a lot of money, and they're already making a lot. So you have to throw a lot of money around. And plus, the NFL, a lot more popular than the PGA Tour. Let's be honest. Hour 3, coming up next. It's the More Midday Show on ESPN Radio.
0: WTMZ, 98.9 FM, WTMZ, 910 AM and 94.7 FM, W234 CD, Dorchester Terrace, Brentwood, Charleston. This is the Morrow Midday Show. But wait,
6: there's more. On ESPN Radio.
0: Yes, back, 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 back again. again, again.
7: back,
8: back, back, tell a friend.
6: Guess back, back, Guess who's back, Guess who's back, Guess
8: back, back, Guess
2: back, back, Guess back, back, Guess who's back, Guess who's back, guesses hour of back, Morrow midday show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. Coming up. We'll catch up with Jeremy Schilling around 2.30 to talk about the latest in the golf world. Jay Monahan had his press conference an hour ago. We'll break it all down with Jeremy coming up in a little bit as we catch up with him every Wednesday. Plus, summer has officially begun. I don't think you need a calendar to tell you, but now it's officially summer. What will be the biggest sports storylines throughout this summer? I'll let you know coming up. And we'll talk more about this whole golfing situation the civil war of golf coming up here on the Morrow midday show if you ever miss anything with the show catch you on the man search espn radio charleston however you listen to your podcast and the podcasts are also available online at charlestonsportsradio.com head over there click on our show page and you can find the shows podcasted right there or you can also leave a comment for the show right there get to us on twitter at morrow middays You can always text the show, 843-608-1734. Or you can join the conversation on the phones, 843-721-9500. Before we get back into the golf stuff and everything, I did just see this online as I was perusing during the commercial break. It is trending on Twitter, so you know it's a big deal. Apparently Brad Pitt is on the cover of the the new uh, GQ magazine. And uh, everyone is talking about how terrible he looks. He looks a lot like Ray Liotta, who unfortunately passed away a few weeks ago. I don't know if if you didn't tell me this was Brad Pitt. I don't know if I would recognize him. a weird photo of him on the cover of GQ. So if you're a GQ subscriber, that's what you have to look forward to. Brad Pitt's on the cover. But it's a strange-looking Brad Pitt. Now, Brad Pitt is always the uh, go-to. We played the clip from Cavino and Rich uh, on Fox Sports Radio yesterday, and I heard them also talking about how Brad Pitt is always the go-to guy when you want to talk about, like, the most handsome man in Hollywood. And nobody else, they don't, you know, everyone just accepts, like, oh, yeah, Brad Pitt. And nobody else gets any love in that category. And it's been Brad Pitt for years. Like, maybe George Clooney used to be in that conversation. Now he's a little bit older. How old would you guess Brad Pitt is?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I'd probably say I would go 55 to 60.
2: Very good. He's 58.
3: Well, there you go. All right. All right. It is weird, I don't know. Like I uh the Pittsburgh Pirates
2: brought up a shortstop who threw the ball to first, at like ninety five miles an hour.
3: Yeah, O'Neill Cruz, right? Yeah.
2: Looks like a stud. He's named O'Neill Cruz because of Paul O'Neill. And I remember watching Paul O'Neill play. Now we got guys in Major League Baseball who are named after him. <laughs> that makes me feel old. We were talking about this with Adam Sandler with Hustle, like the fact that Sandler's like fifty six now. That's crazy. Brad Pitts fifty eight. He's still like, Brad Pitt does look really good for his age, I'll say that. 58 years old looks good. Are you a Brad Pitt fan?
3: Yeah, I mean, you got to be a Brad Pitt fan, right? And you're right, he always is the guy, when you say most handsome man in Hollywood, he's the first name that will always pop in a majority of people's minds. It's up for debate, there's there's no yeah. doubt about it. If we want to bait, uh, debate levels of handsomeness, I'm sure we could get into that. But I would say that Brad Pitt's probably the guy. Yeah, I mean, I enjoy him. I don't mind him. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was a great oh, movie. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed I like him that. in
2: that. That was good. Yeah, he's got a lot of good films. I got nothing. You know, a lot of times when you have these people that are just either beautiful women or good-looking men that are in Hollywood, they're not really, like, great actors or actresses. They're just really good to look at. Brad Pitt, though, he is a good actor. You know, He's a good-looking guy, good actor. Imagine being the guy that whenever people talk about aspiring to look like somebody or wishing, like, their husband looked like it, right, it's always you. They're talking about you, Brad Pitt
3: that's pretty nice margot robbie's in that category of like you know she's also incredibly gorgeous but she's an incredible actress as well i mean yeah. and that you're right it, it, it usually goes you know one way or the other obviously there's people that have thrived jennifer aniston's another name that uh, comes to mind but yeah i mean it's it's a double-edged sword there yeah
2: yeah she was in that margot robbie was in that movie too once upon a time in hollywood yeah yeah she was good yeah she is a good actress wolf of wall street fantastic great movie I just saw that photo online. I thought that's Brad Pitt. Doesn't even look like him. But for fifty-eight, when you Google or see him at these award shows, I don't know what's going on with GQ, but yeah, he still looks good for his age. But give some love to these other uh, these other guys in Hollywood too. Hey, um, I want to circle back to that question that came in from a listener about um, or comment really about you know Jeff Bezos being somebody that could try to run some sort of competing sports league. Amongst the big four in this country, because we've been talking about the Live Golf Tour and what's going on in the golf world right now. And earlier, we were pondering if this could happen to another league like the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball here in this country. And I don't know how likely it is. We'll get more into that in just a moment. But if we were to rank these, Clarence reached out to the show. He said uh, he put the NFL first, NBA second. I do think the NFL would be probably number one. Now, the big concern is just the popularity. Football is king. Maybe you could capitalize on that popularity of how much we love football, although these other leagues have not. Baseball would be really hard because the antitrust laws. The NBA, I don't know. I just get this feeling, you know, the NFL, they're not guaranteed contracts for a lot of these guys. Maybe that would be the big difference maker, which was similar to what was going on in golf. These guys weren't making the big-time money compared to other athletes or what they thought they should have made. So the, Saudi, uh, uh, the Saudis saw that vulnerability and said, hey, we could come in here. Golf is the sport we could compete with because we'll guarantee We'll pay all. we got money to blow. Right, and they're only making this amount. We'll give them a guaranteed number that blows that out of the water ten times as much as they've made throughout their careers. Where when you look at the NBA, they're making huge money, even Major League Baseball, guaranteed contracts, big money. The NFL, a lot of guys are making big money, but... They're typically the quarterbacks or just a few stars on the team, and a lot of guys don't have guaranteed contracts. The big issue would be, of course, again, the popularity of the NFL. You know, you have to compete with that. And the size of the the roster, the number of guys you would need to field a football team and how many teams would you have and all that sort of stuff. That would be the difficulty, that you're talking about a lot of overhead with the amount of people. Golf, you get 40 golfers, you got yourself a tour. Football, you have 40 players, you don't even have yourself one team. So the amount of money you'd have to invest. But football may be the most vulnerable from a financial perspective in that sense, of the guaranteed contracts. Not in the sense of the amount of money the NFL is bringing in and you know how much money there is being brought into that sport and how popular it is in this country. But that does take me to what's going on in the golf world because I thought that uh, the PGA Tour, you know, they left themselves a little vulnerable. I Googled this because I was curious, and this comes from some website, but it's uh, tips to secure yourself against uh, known vulnerabilities. And number one was implement a threat monitoring process. I don't know if the PGA Tour had that. And when Live Golf Tour was an idea and they asked to meet with the PGA Tour, they said, Nah, no, thanks. We don't want to meet with you. I don't know if they saw them as some sort of threat, right? As this first thing says, rule number one, Implement a threat monitoring process. I don't know if they viewed Live Golf Tour as some sort of threat. I compare golf to baseball in the sense that they're both based off of tradition and history, maybe are set in their ways, maybe a little headstrong, don't necessarily keep up with the times. Baseball was America's pastime. Now, eh, you don't really want to spend four hours watching a slow-moving game. Because of cell phones and tablets and distractions and social media, people are doing other things. We have shorter attention spans. That's been scientifically proven, that our attention spans have been reduced in recent decades. And things have changed compared to back in the 80s, the 70s. There's not as many distractions. Nothing's on TV. Football wasn't as big. The NBA was struggling until the late 70s. It was all about baseball. Plus, you know, not as many commercials, not as much money involved, so the games were also shorter. You're watching the game on your black and white TV back in the day, right? They moved a lot quicker than they did today. More action. Now, it's all about the home runs. Baseball hasn't really kept up with the times. I mean, even football has, where they've made their game a lot safer. You go back, you watch clips from even just 20 years ago, and you forget how uh, physical the sport was not that long ago. You know, But as things change, the NFL's adapted. They've had to try to make the game safer because of uh, you know, threats of um, the head injuries and CTE and concussions, and they've kept up with the times, where we've become a little more sensitive to that stuff. We're not as aggressive, at least when it comes to football or sports, as we once were, where it was just like gladiators out there. Now we're a little more health conscious. We have some of this information. more worried about safety, and the NFL has kept up with those changes. Major League Baseball, not so much. Golf, not so much. It was just 30 years ago that uh, they finally allowed an African-American member into uh, Augusta, Augusta National, right? Not great. When Tiger Woods came along, they still had to change all sorts of rules and regulations at different courses and everything just so tiger you know they could have tiger woods come play at their events i mean that was just in the 90s we're not talking about jackie robinson back in the 40s wasn't that long ago golf hasn't changed much over the years they're rich in tradition and history and that's what they promote and they push but they didn't really keep up with uh, the times and as other sports were making big money right these golfers are wondering like how come we're still not getting all this big money when we don't make the cut, we lose money. That seems ridiculous. The NFL players are pushing against the idea of non-guaranteed contracts. Golfers essentially dealing with, I mean, they didn't have contracts, but it's the same idea. No money was guaranteed. You have to go perform for your paycheck. Number one, against uh, guarding against known vulnerabilities, implement a threat monitoring process. I don't think they had that. Number two, conduct regular vulnerability assessments. I don't think they've done that because they probably would have saw just like the NCAA may have seen something coming down the road with name-image likeness, or baseball no longer being the number one sport in the country. All right, Stay ahead of the curve. Uh, those are the people that are largely most successful, that um, you're proactive, you're not reactive. You act before the threat. Instead of waiting until something bad happens, and then, all right, well, we better address this. We better do something. Now, you stay one step ahead of uh, of the wave, the momentum, the curve, the competition, whatever it is that they're throwing at you. Always staying ahead of the issues. I don't think golf's done that either. And they're vulnerable, and Greg Norman wanted to set up some sort of competitive golf league, and then eventually here came the Saudis with the idea of sports washing. This would be perfect for us. We have all sorts of money. Here's a guy in Greg Norman who wants to run this whole thing and it was kind of a perfect storm for the golf world. In all this I don't know Who comes out as a winner other than maybe the Saudis, if it works, if they're able to, quote-unquote, sports wash and change their reputation amongst the minds of some. Obviously, the golfers who make the move and get these huge uh, big paydays. For the fans, now you get kind of two watered-down leagues. I mean, the majors will still be the majors, you hope, unless they change those regulations. But it'd be like uh, if Major League Baseball, a bunch of players left for another league. And so you had half the talent in this league, half the talent in this league. It's like, oh, this isn't as good as it used to be. It's not like watching the minor leagues. And I worked in the minor leagues. I love minor league baseball. But there's a reason why major league baseball is more popular than the minors because they're better players and better athletes and better games, and you're more interested in those guys. And I think right now golf is going to be a little watered down because of all this. But credit now to the PGA Tour, better late than never. You can always, it's never too late to do the, the right thing, as they say. Uh, the PGA Tour trying to adapt and do some things now. And they're coming up with ideas starting next year of, you know, uh, their own type of golf series with no-cut tournaments and a $20 million purse sounds a lot like the Live Golf Tour. Competition isn't always a bad thing. It's usually a good thing. And it could be a good thing in the long haul for the golf world. Right now it doesn't look great. But as I said earlier, right, the AFL led to the Super Bowl in football. That's pretty good. It's a pretty big deal. The ABA led to the NBA becoming a, a really a bigger star. The NBA was going bankrupt. And then the ABA, they absorb the ABA, and you get Dr. J, and you get some of those players, and um, Artis Gilmore and Rick Barry, and then you know, then you get obviously Magic and Bird coming in. The league helped. You had a three-point line. You had an All-Star weekend, which was stolen from the ABA, and the NBA really saved themselves and became very popular, starting in the eighties and now beyond to today. So we'll see about the golf world. Major League Baseball similar. Uh, they had a, the last time they had a true competitor was uh, over a hundred years ago. Very hard to compete with Major League Baseball because of the antitrust laws that were put in place because of the federal league that tried to go up against them and way back when right the game that was over 100 years ago so how much are you going to take away from that other league but what it did give you was wrigley field came from that competitor and wrigley Field's still around second oldest ballpark in the league and it's a piece of history and people love going there that came from a competitive a competitor league and that's one of the uh Great parts of Major League Baseball is going to Wrigley Field. It's a destination. Uh, And what has been built with the Chicago Cubs, the lovable losers at the friendly confines. That came from competition as well. So a lot of times, if you know what you're doing, competition uh, could be a good thing. And we'll see if that's the case down the road for the PGA Tour or the golf world. We'll talk more about it with Jeremy Schilling coming up. When we come back, summer has officially begun. That's what the calendar tells me. Uh, So I'll give you the biggest storylines in the sports world for this summer. We'll do it next. More Midday Show on ESPN Radio. Spend lunch
0: with Luke.
6: Attention campers, lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it.
0: On the Morrow Midday Show.
2: Now that summer has officially begun, what will be the biggest sports stories of this summer? We'll get to that here on the Morrow Midday Show with Luke Morrow on ESPN Radio. It's Wednesday, so that means pick-up basketball night for yours truly. I've been trying to uh, hydrate enough today because, uh, man, it's going to be hot. Hopefully Bobby, uh, they'll probably have him set up outside again today like I was uh, at CSL Plasma Monday. So hopefully it's comfortable out there enough. At least I was in the shade. But uh, we'll see.
3: You should carry around one of those gallon water things, like the Jim uh, Bros do. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Just get hydrated. I mean, I got a pretty big bottle, yeah. but you know, you're just going off a cup. I yeah, come on. That's now.
2: true. See, because I haven't washed my water bottle. Uh, that's a good point. And I've gotten too lazy. It's been sitting in the office, our shared office, for weeks. <laughs> I've never washed it, so I've been going cups here for weeks. It's true. I got to get back at least to a regular bottle. But I'm trying to. It was hot last week. I thought I was going to pass out. Hopefully, it cools off a little bit by the time and i asked the guys "Uh, what are we doing playing at five o'clock why can't we wait till six when the sun's going down made a big difference last week so anyways summer's officially here now i don't need no calendar to tell me that and we know summer's been here it's a little different yesterday was the official first day of summer which seems so late june 21st but when i grew up and i didn't grow up in the south i grew up in connecticut i just looked it up my high school their last day of school was friday so Growing up, this was kind of like the start of our summer. We'd be in school until mid to late June, depending on how many snow days you had. And, uh, you know, now you finally, it's like, oh, the start of the summer, but it's almost July already. That seems so, I've spent enough time living in the South now, that seems so foreign to me to think that when I was growing up, this would be like the start of summer. Hey, it's finally summer. Yeah, it's already June 20th. Welcome to the the party. I always look at it as uh, summer begins. I think Memorial Day is like the unofficial kickoff. I said that at the time. And then I would go to probably Labor Day. Again, here, a little bit different. It's still warm after Labor Day around here. But I think Labor Day then begins the fall. And then winter, I don't care what the calendar says. The calendar tells you winter begins like December 17th or something. Again, I grew up in the Northeast. We would get snow around Thanksgiving. Uh, winter, I don't know. Somewhere around Thanksgiving, I guess. And then spring for me always would begin with baseball. Maybe spring break. It has it in the name, mid-March, but especially once you start talking about baseball starting up, and I'm, I'm talking about, like, professional baseball, spring training, the games at the beginning of April, and it's like, okay, this is spring. That was at least growing up, not growing up in the South. But if you go off the calendar, yesterday was the official first day of summer. Thank goodness we have finally arrived. It hasn't felt like it for weeks. So, with that said, what will be the biggest storylines in the sports world throughout these summer months until we get to, let's say, the start of the football seasons? I'll give you the top five uh, biggest stories in the sports world for the summer of 2022.
0: This is a tasty burger. It's the tasty top five.
6: I'm tasty. Number five.
2: Uh, I would say the Stanley Cup, which is going on right now. Now, we get game four tonight. So, of course, we're talking about a finals in one of the big four sports. Stanley Cup, the finals Number five story. But also because you have the Lightning that are trying to three-peat. We have not had that in hockey in 40 years. We have not had it in any sport in 20 years. So if they pull it off and they're trailing in the series right now, that would be a big deal. Number four, I would say Kyrie Irving. Uh, This story won't go away in the next couple of weeks. It's going to drag on until July. Uh, Well, we're already almost in July. So this is going to be a thing for the next couple of weeks, though, at least. And I know it's just one player. And you think, like, who cares? How much is he going to impact? But, you know, in the NBA, of course, one player is huge. If he goes to the Lakers, right? If you, even if he goes to the Knicks, that would be a big story. If he goes to some, if he goes to the Heat, it uh, changes a lot. If he stays in Brooklyn. Right now, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets and the Celtics are the two favorites in Vegas right now to win the East next year. Even though the Brooklyn, they were so disappointing this year because they still have the – that's what the NBA is about, stars. And as long as they have Durant and Kyrie, they're going to be a heavy favorite. So Kyrie Irving, it's probably going to be a, a tiresome storyline by the time it's all said and done. Uh, but uh, Kyrie Irving, I think, will be the fourth biggest story of the summer because that's probably the biggest story in the NBA right now. Number three will be the quarterbacks of the NFL. Lamar Jackson and his contract, that's a big one. I think even bigger is the Deshaun Watson situation that we're still waiting on the clarity, not only in terms of the lawsuits, uh, but more so for this conversation, the NFL, what is the punishment going to be? Hopefully we find out in the next couple of weeks. And then you even talk about Baker Mayfield. Is he going to be on the move? When it comes to the NFL, we always focus on quarterbacks. Those will be a lot of the big stories uh, at training camp and throughout the summer. And there's not a lot of quarterback battles, so it's more about quarterbacks on the move. Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, is he going to sign before the start of the year? That's number three. Number two of the biggest stories this summer is what's going on in the golf world because I don't think – this is the end of what's happening with the live golf tour and stealing talent. I think more guys will start to move over and then you get towards these other major events, see what happens. Uh, the PGA tour, their sort of adjustments. It's a big story. And I think it's just starting. So number two, in the biggest stories of the summer, I would say the live golf tour. And then number one, maybe it's wishful thinking. Cause I am a baseball guy. I would like to say major league baseball will be number one because baseball is supposed to dominate the summer. Um, the other sports are not going on. All we have is baseball. Now, specifically within baseball, look, around here, of course, you're looking to see, can the Braves repeat? But I think the bigger stories nationally will be the Mets, Dodgers, Yankees. Are we heading headed towards another subway series? or Yankees, Dodgers, can anybody stop the Yankees? Are the Yankees going to set the record for the most wins? Not only do you have right now a historically great team, but they're doing it in New York, so that's a big deal. If we were talking about, like, the Kansas City Royals trying to break records, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But when you're talking about the New York Yankees, trying to set records, and they're dominant, that plays a little bit better nationally. That's a big story for Major League Baseball throughout this summer. Plus, then you got the Dodgers, you get got the Mets and the NL. These are big brands, big cities, big fan bases, and good teams. Will Mike Trout get into the playoff race this year in September? We'll see. And I also think in regards to the Yankees, you have to look at Aaron Judge and the home run record as well. Uh, The home run record for the Yankees, that is. Or what you may think is still the true uh, home run record. Although you probably would say Hank Aaron. But for Judge, you know, could he get over 60 homers? You want to talk about great sports movies. I love that uh, Billy Crystal movie, 61. Fantastic. With Maris and Mantle from 1961. Can Aaron Judge break the Yankee record and hit 62 homers this year? We'll see. That could be an interesting story throughout the summer. Maybe not like McGuire and Sosa dominating the summer of 1998. Talking about that home run record or even Bonds uh, breaking multiple records with home runs a couple of different summers, you know, 20 years ago. But for baseball people, there's not a lot going on elsewhere in the sports world this summer. you got the Yankees dominating, Aaron Judge clobbering homers. Can he beat Maris and Mantle and hit 62? Uh, We'll see. Five biggest stories of the summer. Trent, what's your favorite season of the year? Now, I know, you know, growing up around here, a lot of the seasons can blend together. You don't get a true winter. A favorite time of year. What's your favorite time of year?
3: It's got to be, I mean, anytime football's on, there's no doubt about it. That's my favorite time of the year. But, Luke, quite honestly, you know, we it's very hot in Charleston. I've grown up here a majority of my life. I was born in South Florida, so I've never been able to escape the heat. I would say that when it gets a little nippier around Charleston, I kind of enjoy it. I like putting on a sweater, you know, walking around downtown. I enjoy it. So I'll probably say we get about a month and a half of true winter, Probably say January, February, you know, when playoff football's happening, yeah. college football playoffs are happening, going right into I start diving into the NBA. that's probably my favorite time of the year. Play, NFL playoff football is in my opinion, the greatest time of the year every single year.
2: It's true, it's a great time. Football season is always the best time of the year.
3: but not so much. I'm with you. early football season.
2: It always feels wrong to me like we go to, I go to a Citadel game and it's still like 90 degrees out and you're at the football stadium. I know that's the norm around here. But that still feels a little off. As you get a little later in football season, and it cools off a little bit, even around here. And when I was living in Florida, and now you're getting ready. You're talking about the playoffs and the bowl games and everything. Yeah, that's
3: always a fun time of the, out of the year. It's 4 p.m. and it'll be 92 degrees. Like, that's <laughs> that, that's the biggest problem with with living around here. And the yeah. humidity is through the roof. So oh. it's really like 105.
2: Yeah, humidity is the worst. Anywhere you go, if there's any place with humidity, that, I could deal with heat. Humidity is brutal. Get that out of here. With that said, hopefully basketball goes well later. It's not that hot. <laughs> I got this sent to me because I was talking earlier about uh, you know offering to pay in cash. Uh, this is from uh, Consumer Reports this morning. And they say 86% of small appliance shoppers who ask for a discount get one. How about that? Is that? It, really? 86% of people who ask for a discount get one. According to Man, this,
3: that's tough. I I always like kind of cringe when I hear somebody like at a restaurant, you know, like if something goes wrong with the order. I know a family of like a, a very close friend of mine, like their mother uh, is one. Like if something's wrong, oh, we're getting this whole meal for free. Uh-huh. Like, oh, yeah. Bring over the GM. Let's talk yeah. to him. This at the other.
2: I can't do that. No. I accept the price, especially in a store. I'm not going to Best Buy and saying, like, hey, can you offer me a lower price In the T? No, like, the price is the price. For those, there's are certain places you go car shopping, right? You know there's going to be some haggling. You try to knock that price down. Uh, but, yeah, most places, I can't be that person that asks for a discount as you buy, like, uh, whatever, anything at the store. But apparently I should start doing it, right? With inflation, times are tough. Keep that in mind. 86% of people, or do the cash trick. Offer to pay in cash right now. You'll have the money in your pocket today if you lower the price. 86% of people who ask for uh, a discount get one. So either ask for a discount or offer to pay in cash, and you'll get that discount as well. See, I think it's a smart move. Uh, it's something that uh, I have to try more often. Offering to pay in cash to get the price lowered. If you're not doing that already, start doing it now. Thank me later with all this inflation. We'll catch up with Jeremy Schilling next. It's the more
0: Midday Show on ESPN Radio. Spend lunch with Luke.
6: Attention campers, lunch has been canceled today due to lack of hustle. Deal with it.
0: On the Morrow Midday Show.
8: It's the
2: Morrow Midday Show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. We've been talking a lot today about what's going on in the golf world, with the uh, Live Golf Series and the latest of the PGA Tour. Jay Monahan had his press conference about uh, started at least about ninety minutes ago. Joining us now to break down everything going on with golf is our resident golf expert. He joins us every Wednesday, and he's Jeremy Schilling on Twitter at Shill, writes for PGA Magazine. And he's with us now. Jeremy, good afternoon. How are you?
7: Good afternoon, Luke. Hello, Trent. Wow. Um, this is going to be, as I just said, the trend, something out of nothing because the, this is, this has gone in about 80 different directions today. So let me, um, if you don't mind, Luke, just, just go point by point here on, on some things this weekend is the travelers championship. I, 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 I predict that Davis Riley will be your winner. This is a week of rumors and gossip and things coming out of left field, right field, and every field in between. And I fully believe that uh, somebody who's not a part of that, which is Davis Riley, will get your win. Justin Thomas withdrew with a back problem. He tried to do this preemptively so that it avoids the major championship season. So something to watch involving Justin Thomas going forward. I believe his next start is the J.P. McManus. Charity Pro-Am on July 4th weekend, which you can now see on Golf Channel because those folks announced it today. That's July 4th and 5th. That's a Monday and a Tuesday. Also, it's also also supposed to be Tiger Woods' next start. Um, we then have Nick Faldo, Sir Nick Faldo of CBS and Golf Channel, retiring at the end of the season. He will, he will be replaced by 2008 Masters champion, and current um, uh, Presidents Cup captain for the international side, Trevor Immelman, uh, starting in 2023. All right, Luke Trent. Luke, what's your dream job? If if you could if you could live out your dream, what is it? Your actual dream job? Not to offend any. Guys, But, like, you know, everybody wants to be, like, a rock star, you know, travel the world, make, you know, millions, all that jazz. Like, what is your dream job?
2: Yeah, if you're talking about everything, even outside of the uh, industry, uh, growing up, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a rock star growing up. That would be my dream job.
3: Trent? Uh, you know, that's interesting. Probably, I would say, somewhere in this space, you know, being a, a sports media mogul, if you will. That's probably my uh, dream job. Before then, it was a stand-up comedian, actually, oh, Jeremy Schillen. How
8: about that?
7: Okay. Quote, money doesn't matter. Not something that's important. I just want to be happy. Money's not going to make me happy. I just want to play against the best. If somebody gave me $200 million tomorrow, it's not going to change my life. What am I going to get out of it? I already have enough money that I could retire right now, but I don't want to. I just want to play golf. Those are the words of Brooks Kepka from the year 2020. Brooks Kepka in 2022 just accepted a boatload of cash and is going to the Saudi back golf tour. What the? What the? Yeah, how
2: things have changed in two years, huh?
7: Well, like, if I literally gave you all the money in the world to do what you least want to do, because there's this whole thing that, like, Brooks hates playing golf and that he just, you know, he wants to get out of it and that he just loves, you know, competition. That's why he's only staying around, right? Mm-hmm. W- who wronged who here? Like, Like, was he given half a billion? Like... But like how much would it take and I, I hope this makes sense guys, but like how much would it take to keep you in your day job if your dream job was attainable?
2: That's a good question. It's like well it's like people that you always have the idea like if you won the lottery tomorrow, would you show up to work or would you would you quit? Yeah. You know, how much like, money would be enough?
7: Like, take the other Saudi commit, which is Abraham Answer. Abraham Answer grew up on one of the border towns between the U.S. and Mexico. I don't have that information in front of me. But he wants to give back to that area of the world. Whatever he was given, he's got one PGA Tour win. Whatever he was given, whether it was $5 million, $15 million, $45 million, That completely changes the opportunities that he has on the border to change people's lives. That I get. I actually have to get that, right? Mm -hmm. Most of these people are washed up. According to Golf Week's Eamon Lynch, this has something to do with a surgery that Brooks has been putting off, which may make sense then in context. But, God, nothing like being a hypocrite. Nothing like being just, you say something on the record. It's going to be thrown back in your face. And you've seen the ramifications for Phil Mickelson, and now Brooks Kepka gets it.
2: Yeah. It's like uh, Rick James rubbing his boots on Charlie Murphy's couch. And he says in one sentence, I never rubbed my boots on Charlie Murphy's couch. And then he came right back and said, yeah, I remember rubbing my boots on Charlie Murphy's couch. It's a Dave Chappelle show reference. Um, Brooks Kepka though, as we bring it back to golf, is this the biggest loss yet for uh, the PGA Tour compared to, you know, Bryson and Mickelson and DJ? Is, is this the toughest one to swallow for the PGA Tour right now?
7: Um, it depends how often he plays, frankly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that goes back to the health question, which Jamin Lynch brought up. Is there something else here? Because remember, you don't have to play – any of you don't have to play every single event in 2022 and 2023, right? So, is there something else going on here?
2: Yeah, we'll see. Is
7: there a physical ailment mm-hmm. going on here? The next question I have for Trent. Ooh. Go ahead. And Luke. Okay. Matt Fitzpatrick wins the U.S. Open. We will get to the U.S. Open in this segment, folks. I promise. You win the U.S. Open. You are offered a very large amount of money to join the Saudi-back series. Your mind is in a whirlwind. You have just won the biggest tournament of your life. Would you say yes? Knowing all the blood money and everything associated with it. That is what Matt Fitzpatrick had to decide Sunday night. He has decided no. Your thoughts, Luke and Trent?
2: I think it depends how much money, uh, depending on the golfer and how much money. It's like Ted DiBiase. Uh, everyone's got a price. So I don't know. And I'm also curious if the opinion would be different after a moment like that, if that would lead to you being willing to take the, the price tag or, or not. I'm trying to put myself in a situation to wonder, like, even if it was another sport, if I was in the NBA and I just won a championship or something, would that impact my desires financially afterwards? A lot of times we see guys win a, some sort of big event. I know it's different in golf because he could still theoretically compete in these majors moving forward. But a lot of times you see a guy, an athlete, get a championship, and then they chase the money afterwards. So I guess from that sense, all right, maybe a lot of guys after a win like that would then go for the big payday. But I think you know everyone, everyone has a price, so it comes down to the golfer um, and uh, the situation. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have a good answer for you in that situation.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, if the price is right, that's that's it. I'm all about that cash, Jeremy. So, I mean, if they were giving me one hundred million dollars to go over there after winning a major, I understand the uh, where the money is coming from. I think Greg Norman made that clear about the PGA as well. So I'd probably. Yeah. If they're giving me one hundred mil. Sorry about it. I'm I'm gone. I, I, yeah. I got to go take that money.
7: Yeah. I just give both of you credit for having the audacity to say that on a radio show, and only one player, Richard Bland, has continued to have the audacity to say that.
2: Well, that they would be willing to take money.
7: What? Yeah, that 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 they left for the money. They left or took the leap for the money.
2: Yeah, I wish more guys would say that, because that's what, that's what it exactly. is. Exactly. Yeah. It's
7: exactly, like, can you please say you left for the money? Right. I, I, I honestly believe people would respect you more Absolutely. if you said that. For sure. And that, I think, is what's getting lost in this. Um, so there's that. Jay Monahan, PGA Tour Commissioner, just uh, finished his press conference a little while ago. I had a personal work thing that pushed my schedule back. Huge thank you to Luke and 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 to Trent and to every listener out there for staying with us today. Things got crazy. Uh, what I've been able to glean from this is that the PGA Tour is going to do two things. They are going to shorten the FedEx Cup schedule. They are going to make the fall somehow competitive to keep your playing status, and they are going to up purses. Equal to some of the purses of the Live Golf Tour. But Jay said one thing very clearly. We cannot compete with pure cash based on our system, based on our organization. And frankly, none of the other major golf organizations are backed by a government. I had somebody try to tell me that the USJ is backed by the U.S. government. It is not. Let's just make this abundantly clear. There is no connection between the United States government and the USGA. So when people try to throw that in my face, it's like, no, this is a totally different deal. The Saudi government can pump as much as they want into this. And this is going to come down, as I've said, for weeks to what Fred Ridley, the chairman of Augusta National Golf Club and the and, and, and the official World Golf Ranking Board, Decide to do, because either these players are going to get no points and their names are going to fall off now that they've been suspended or they're going to be able to still play or be banned by Augusta, which then can serve as a model for the rest. There's also rumors of a strategic alliance being formed between the Saudis and the European tour because the European tour is hanging on by a thread. There's so much to unpack. Purse increases very limited playoff fields down to seventy making instead of one twenty five for the first uh, FedEx Cup event. This kicks into gear next fall with twenty twenty four being the return to a full calendar year. Um uh, sorry, a, a calendar based schedule, January to August really matters. Uh September to on is for the real diehards and what happens if somebody who's in that first group has a real interest in playing in an event that's encompassed in the um in the fall group i don't know there'll also be three big purse no cut guaranteed international event uh, sorry b- events based international league this gives guys an off season that was their biggest complaint is that they had no off season luke Would you stay on the PGA tour for less money if it meant you had an off season?
2: That's another good question. it depends on the golfer and what you're looking for. Uh, If I was looking for maybe a little more downtime and that was worth the, uh, the, that price, then, then certainly, but I mean, at least you're offering something, right? I guess it just depends if somebody prefers a little more downtime or a little more money.
7: Yes. Uh, uh, By the way, I, I totally was, uh, was, was, Uh, Remiss for not saying this The Kepka quotes Come from Brian Wacker um, New York Post I don't know where Brooks gave that original quote But he's going to put the tweet out So I just want to give proper credit where proper credit Is due There's a lot more to unpack Out of this PGA Tour Schedule um, slate here I'll have more on it In upcoming weeks But we've got what Five minutes until a break
2: uh, yeah, not three even. Three minutes? Yeah, three to four.
7: Okay, so let's talk about the U.S. Open. That is a bunker shot that will live on forever. That is a bunker shot that will live on forever. And I'm talking about the Ferry bunker shot at 18. He hit the wrong club off the tee. I don't know what in the damn world he was doing hitting, dry, uh, sorry, hitting three wood. Then you hit the hook, quick left. And what people casual golf fans may not understand about what Matt Fitzpatrick did there is if you miss hit that one of two things happens, it comes up short and you have a very awkward pitch or you catch the grass, the high grass that's above the bunker. Neither of those are good options. We saw what happened with John Rahm when he made double bogey on Saturday, worst predicament, but it just shows how bad that is. And to capture it crispy, And Kiri K. Dixon uh, went back and looked at the spot because no one raked the divot because I think they want to, like, take a picture and, like, put a plaque, not – sorry, you you can't put a plaque in a bunker, but I think they want to somehow honor this, right? Um, And they kind of maybe want to take a picture of the shape of it or whatever. It was not raked by anybody. It is such a perfect golf shot, and just kudos to him under pressure, Will Zalatoris's putt, which was on a similar line, God, I thought that was in. I thought that was in so bad, and poor Will. I mean, he just keeps putting himself in contention week after week after week after week. This is, this is, um, this is, this is crazy. It's it's crazy how good he is so early. Guy Scheffler had a place up in that um, consideration for a while. He even had a lead until he had some missteps around the turn. For Will, he didn't drive it great all week. He said that. He withdrew this week. He's got a hip issue. He's, hope- he's hoping to get that worked up for the Open Championship. The drives on, th- on 3, 12, and 13 may come back to ultimately haunt him, I think, more than the putt at 18. This will sting, but he'll be fine. Look forward, not backward, when it comes to Will Zalatouris. I also want to point out the shot, 5-iron, 225, from Matt Fitzpatrick on 15. That gets overlooked, that, get, that led the birdie. Yes, he made the long putt on 13. But, God, there's some audacity off that straw. The announcers had it right. For those who have not played out of fescue grass, the really tall, wispy grass that's been matted down by humans, you don't know when they clear the galleries out exactly how that ball is going to jump. It could come out with no energy whatsoever, or it can come out with a ton. And that ball came out with a ton of energy, the perfect amount of energy. And ultimately Matthew Fitzpatrick has won the the 2022 U S open. His first major and, uh, Cheers to Billy Foster, the caddy for 40 years. Holds the record for most Ryder Cups ever caddied in. Sevy, Lee Westwood, the list goes on and on. He gets his first major. He was weeping more than Matt was weeping. Kudos to the entire Fitzpatrick family. That's a heck of a win. A heck of a victory.
2: Yeah, it sure was. A little overshadowed this week because of everything else that has transpired, but uh, kudos to and you as well. And that's
7: such a shame. It is such a shame. And that's if I sound angry today, not that I'm angry in life. I'm angry because of a fracturing, as as Mike Tirico said, a, a permanent fracturing of golf.
2: Yeah, yeah it is. And uh, we'll see what's next. He's Jeremy Schilling, our resident golf expert, doing a great job breaking it all down. Uh, Jeremy, appreciate the time as always. We'll catch up with you next week, see what else happens over the next week.
7: I, I tried my best. I hope I did well, um, yeah. Luke. Thank, uh, thank you so much for your patience today. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate thank you. you.
2: Thank you for the information. He's Jeremy Schilling on Twitter at J Schill, our resident golf expert, writes for PGA Magazine. Now you can go take a load off, grab a Yoo-Hoo, and have a good rest of your Wednesday. We'll wrap up your Wednesday next. It's the Morrow Midday Show on ESPN Radio.
0: Spend lunch with Luke.
6: Attention campers, lunch has been canceled today due to lack
0: of hustle. Deal with it. On the Morrow Midday Show.
6: Good luck,
0: Somehow
2: close we Softly smile, I know she must be cut. Wrapping up your Wednesday and the Morrow Midday show with Luke Morrow here on ESPN Radio. As I say all the time, I'm not a Beach Boys guy. But this song has brought on some new meaning for me. I always think of Vanilla Sky. And there are a couple of movies from a, the same time, from a couple of years period there in the early 2000s that I think got lost. Vanilla Sky with our buddy Tom Cruise, such a great film that I think is very underrated. Vanilla Sky, I'd say Identity from around the same time. Uh, Mothman Prophecies with Richard Greer, another great film from around that era. A lot of good movies from the early 2000s that no one ever remembers. Vanilla Sky is a great one. And the scene, you could Google it and just watch the scene with that song. A oh, Great scene at the end of the movie. If you ever miss anything from the show, like our conversation last segment with Jeremy Schilling, find it on demand. Search ESPN Radio Charleston, however you listen to your podcast, and the podcasts are available online, charlestonsportsradio.com. Just click on our show page. You can take the Morrow Midday Show with you wherever you go. Stream us online, charlestonsportsradio.com, or through your smart speaker. Um, tune in radio and our free app as well. Search ESPN Charleston in the App Store. Download the app, and you can listen to the show live. or on demand from anywhere in the world. Appreciate listeners checking in from at least 12 different states and multiple countries on this Wednesday. Hello, Iceland. And uh, we'll be with you tomorrow from CSL Plasma, tomorrow uh, on the show. In the meantime, catch the podcast if you missed anything from today. Life is a series of hellos and goodbyes. For now, we say goodbye. We'll say hello again tomorrow at noon. More Midday Show on ESPN Radio.